Wrestling Geeks Beyond this receiver of sound, I am your friend, Dane Alves, and we have another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show for the Christian Brits Wrestling News reviews on all the events, uh, some that we like, some that it's painful to get through, but hey, as long as you're listening and you're enjoying yourselves, that's all that really matters, but of course... Like I said, joining me is my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? I am doing great. It's been a uh, long week, but I'm excited to be here talking about wrestling, man. Can't lie about that. So uh going to enjoy this cold beer and, and enjoy us talking. How, how's your week been? Terrible until right before uh, you know we were on air and my shoulders bothered me, so I put some uh, Tiger Bomb on it. And unfortunately, I didn't realize that putting it in my armpit would be a terrible idea. And now my armpit's completely on fire. So that's going to be like that for a while now. Um, I guess I pulled <laughs> it down a little bit just now. God, it hurts. Uh, I hate feeling stupid. Anyways, but, you know, what are you going to do? Sometimes you put Tiger Bomb on your armpit. And, uh, yeah, I would not say that. That would probably go for Ben Gay and her testicles, too. So there you go, <laughs> something on Wrestling Geeks Alliance. But seriously, uh, new listeners, uh, thank you guys for checking everything out. I uh, hope you like it. You can find basically us on any downloadable platform, audio-wise, or even on uh, YouTube. Uh, you can check it out, just Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Jack in the Box, I think is one of them. Actually, that's not one of them. That's a, that's a restaurant. But... We're on a bunch of them. That's 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 the thing. Just uh, search on Google Wrestling Alliance. You'll find our episodes, and all of our past listeners are probably already cracking up. So as long as we can entertain you guys during these times, that's all that matters, right, Chris? That is very very true. I'm actually just trying to make Chris pop, so he's the only one I can actually get <laughs> instant gratification. Uh, um, but hey, man, you know I, I would say like normally uh, today's a good day, if you will. Because we're going over uh, NXT and AEW and uh, a little bit of Impact. Uh, you know, Impact coming back in a pretty strong way, I would say, uh, Sunday and uh, Tuesday. And uh, we're going to be breaking down Slammiversary and going over a little bit of the stuff that happened on Tuesday's show. But, uh, Chris, you watch Slammiversary. Before we go into it, um, what do you think of the show? It usually seems they've done this the last couple of years and they sucker me in because I didn't get to see TNA during its heyday. You know, I'm, I'm now just like two thir- 2015 and onward. So it's been like, a, hey, is where we're going to restart, and it's going to be awesome. And then it's good for a little while, and then it kind of goes down to shitter. But now we have an influx of talent over uh, from, you know, some of the people that left WWE and also with the Motor City Machine Guns uh, possibly being back, at least for a part-time. Uh, you know, they have the titles now. Spoiler warning, I guess. Um 
we gotta stop doing spoiler warning. If you got you guys obviously if you watched it, I'm I'm hoping you watched it. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Wrestling's a little bit different than uh CW television shows, I guess. But uh anyways, uh you know, Motor City Machine Guns, they have now Heath uh Slater who you know, they're going to position with Rhino, so another tag team, and also, obviously, he can be a singles wrestler himself. They have the Good Brothers, EC3's back. Um, Deanna Prazo, who just came back, is now their their champion. So they're they're getting a, a lot of blood injected into the program. Uh, other than the audio stuff, which was not good, uh, I thought that Slammiversary was really good, and uh, they're, they're making me interested in tuning in, especially since it's free on Twitch on Tuesdays. So with the audio stuff, I didn't hit this as much because I watched it the day after. So I don't know if I got a separately uploaded stream, but I did hear that that was kind of a nightmare in parts. So was it as bad as what everyone was putting forth out there? The worst part was when it was uh, maybe they just had a mess up and maybe you didn't notice it. But like when Heath Slater got on the mic, they were pumping the audio through the arena but you weren't getting it directly through the, the 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 receivers for the television. Like you heard him in the arena, and it was very muffled, obviously. And I forgot the name of the wrestler that came and interrupted him. But uh, same thing with him. But they didn't have a lot of that. I don't remember them getting the Good Brothers on the mic later on either. Yeah, very weird because I got I don't know if they did a board recording or something afterwards, or if it was just clear if they did something to clean it up. But the version that I ended up watching. Um, I didn't hit that as much. But yeah, they this was a reset button. They brought in some pretty big names, I would say. They brought in some uh, who I would consider TNA legends for this show, some that seem like they're going to be sticking around. Um, they overcame a lot considering what that main event looks like. Uh, was it like four or five weeks ago where we were unsure of when, who was who even going to be in that match? I thought that... Yeah. Because so, Michael Elgin and Tessa were now no more. <laughs> yes. champion. So all things considering, I thought it was a very, very fun show. And obviously, I, after the, I was so pumped after the first match that I kind of gave anything bad on the show a little bit of a pass. Because I was just so excited to see the Motor City Machine Guns back, let's say, at, at home in uh, TNA or Impact, whatever we want to call it, I guess, for this. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed the show overall, man. I, nothing too crazy i thought there were some good matches on it um and it was a good setup for the tuesday night show which i have not been able to finish there were some matches that just weren't that good to me um mm-hmm. but as we go through the show we can kind of talk about that like just some were just really clunky uh, as much as i love moose the tommy dreamer moose match was to <laughs> me was really really fucking clunky um the gauntlet match obviously i think was to me the the worst thing on the show and those kind of went back to back and to me it kind of slowed the show down a bit but everything else on the show for the most part i thought was pretty good yeah i have to agree with you man um i definitely kind of felt that way about the moose and tommy dreamer match it just kind of i mean it's hard to make a, a hardcore match look glamorous or whatever the hell way that tommy dreamer was saying it was what like an old school styled match or some shit like that I don't remember exactly, but it was a fucking ECW hardcore match, and uh, it's kind of hard to mess those those matches up sometimes. But definitely something wasn't gelling between the two of them, and uh, you know it, it is what it is. But the women's match, uh, the the gauntlet match, I would have liked it to seen it been an actual gauntlet match and not a Royal Rumble being called a gauntlet match. Um, 
that would have been a little more intriguing instead of just trying to get them in there and no one knows what the fuck's going on. It's just a clusterfuck most of the time for battle royals. Yeah, and we I kind of called that to begin with. Is this an actual gauntlet match? What the definition of a gauntlet match is and what kind of clusterfuck this is going to be when we did our predictions and it it did not disappoint, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um as far as as far as that goes, I mean, it disappointed as, as being a match, but it, it did not disappoint the prediction. Yeah, it it really didn't. Um, but let's 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 get into this. Um, I think that we'll have to start off with the first match. I think that most people thought that when the Rascals, who's a newer team, uh, they include Trey, who was in the main event. And they're, like I said last time, if you don't know much about them, if you haven't checked out Impact lately, they're, 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 they're a fun team. They're all high flyers. Uh, it's him, Desmond Xavier, and someone else. I forgot what the other guy's name is. But um, they kind of do these, like, little skits where they, it's, it's, like, reflecting off of that 70s show with a lot of smoke in the background and all of them saying, like, funny stuff and shit like that. But they've been serious as of lately in building that. So they kind of did an open challenge. And I think most people thought the Good Brothers uh, were going to come out here, beat the crap out of them, and say goodbye. But obviously, they had other plans for them. Instead, you know, all of a sudden, bah, dah, 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 you know, started coming over the speakers. And fucking Alex Shelley and Chris Saban come out. And, you know, because of you, Chris, uh, I didn't get a chance to see that much of them. But since Twitch has a fucking impact station that plays free content... YouTube, their 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 uh, what call it? YouTube station has a bunch of free stuff on it, and also Pluto TV has an all day channel. I've been able to watch a lot of their matches, which if you have a streaming service, I don't know why they give out that much free content, but that's here nor there. Maybe they're just trying to you know get get some people to come in and and check out the new product. I don't know. Anyways, I've gotten acquainted with them, and they kind of you know the the tradition of the the rock star tag team, the two baby faces. That's been going on probably since what the the fabulous ones I think, and then the Rock and Roll Express and 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 the Fantastics and fucking the Rockers and the Hardys and you know they they were kind of like the next one in that lineage before the fucking uh, the Young Bucks and they're incredible and they had a good match I think against the Rascals I think that um, both teams really complemented each other they didn't have to do a bunch of crazy shit they did a lot of tandem offense there was some spots that you know, it started going crazy and, you know, a lot of stuff started happening. But most part, I thought they just had a really good tag match that was just solid and doing a lot of stuff that was, you know, normal. Uh, but the Motor City Machine Guns, they looked awesome. They didn't look like they've lost a step. I know that Alex Shelley, he he didn't have, I don't think, a full contract, but he was definitely working with NXT as far as being a part-time, you know, um, person uh, teaching and stuff like that. There And obviously we saw him with, you know, his partner, um, uh, Kushida, for the time splitters uh, for that tag tournament. But we didn't know what he was doing. And Chris Saban was working with Ring of Honor behind the scenes. So to have them show up was really out of nowhere. I don't know how long it will be. We're going to go over, obviously, when they interrupted the North. But news break, you know, along with all their other titles. Now there's new tag team champions. The North got beat after a year and five months, I believe. The Motor City Machine Guns won against them, and it was a really great match, too. So back-to-back two nights, you saw them, Chris. Uh, they looked pretty damn good. How did you like seeing your beloved Motor City Machine Guns okay. come back and go against the Rascals? 
Well, obviously, this was my favorite thing on the show just because of my love for Motor City Machine Guns. So I, as soon as you told me what happened, I popped really hard, and then I was like, okay, I got to go watch this immediately. So I went and watched that first match, even though I knew I wasn't going to have time to finish the entire show. So I watched this kind of out of, uh, out of I don't want to say out of order, because I did go back and start where I stopped at, but it was like they haven't missed a, uh, missed a step at all, which is crazy considering I, I don't even remember the last time Saban and Shelly were in a match together, at least as a tag team. Um, but yeah, it was just great. Like you said, this was not a huge spot fest. So if, if you're looking for a huge spot match, it really wasn't that. It was a lot of good offenses. They gave you some huge spots here and there, but it wasn't just spot after spot after spot or anything. Um, and it's I I don't know if this is – I'm assuming this is the first time they ever worked with the Rascals with a team that kind of just came back <laughs> out of nowhere. It was a great opening um, as far as the show goes. It – Probably got drugged down a little bit, like I said, by these two matches in the middle. But, um, yeah, overall, really excited to see what they do. Hopefully they're around for a little bit. I think that... I mean, an awesome match between the Good Brothers and the Motor City Machine Guns down the line, if they're going to stick around for a little bit. You know, we. I kind of want to talk about this now, and I, 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 I've just kind of thought about it, actually. Um, We've talked about how Impact technically, I think, is number two as far as the women division that they have right after NXT. And I think that AEW is definitely creeping up there. They're building it. But we know what Raw and SmackDown don't do. And they have a couple females and the rest of them are kind of like just there. But they have a lot of great stuff with the women's division on Impact. But now when you add Heath Slater and Rhino, when you add the Good Brothers, when you add the Motor City Machine Guns in with these tag teams and a lot of them are really good, especially the North, uh, the Rascals, and a lot of these other ones. They're building to probably have the second best tag division, I would say, after AEW. Uh, I would say so, depending on how they end up treating the Good Brothers, if they're going to build some sort of faction out of that. And I don't know if they're going to try to do some singles pushes with Slater or not. But yeah, if, if those are just all tag teams... That does position them into a very good spot with uh, with top tag teams. Some that I think people will probably, well, I know me personally, will get to know better just with them working with these other tag teams. Some of the bigger names that we're a little bit more used to. But if restarting it is bringing in the Motor City Machine Guns and the Good Brothers for a while, that's not a bad place to try to kickstart your tag division. Also, like the competition of good tag div- uh, divisions in America right now is not very high. That's from, a good point. From last like, place to second place. <laughs> even NXT, obviously, if we were talking about a year and a half ago, we would be it would be a completely different story. But it's been splintered, and even NXT's kind of lost its steam with its tag division. And obviously, we always talk about this. You always say this. Raw and SmackDown don't give a shit about tag teams because of Vince. So it is really, I guess, Impact and AEW are the other guys. <laughs> so maybe it's they win by default, if anything. Yeah, and I mean, with ROH, they, they, they've lost a lot of tag teams by obviously losing Lucha Brothers and SCU and um, a, a few other tag teams here and there that just aren't, aren't really there. And that and they're not, I guess, are, I mean, I guess they're back going now, right, ROH? I don't know. I have no idea if they're doing, li- or if they're doing tape shows at all. 
Yeah, I would need to I would need to look that up. We haven't I haven't really heard a whole lot on the ROH front, but I do remember that their that and that their tag division there at the end, it was kind of just the Briscoes running wild and doing those shows with NWA, and they were bringing people in from AAA. But a lot of that talent, like that, you know, the the main tag team they were bringing in from there were the Lucha Brothers, and they're not there. And obviously, if you look back at the past runs, you had, you know, the Young Bucks there as well coming back and forth. So a lot of that talent that was in a, a, a Ring of Honor making them one of the better tag divisions kind of got splintered to pieces when AEW really got going. Yeah, and so did I mean Skrull Incorporated or whatever seems like it's completely splintered because I think PCO's taking a break because well he's fucking old and he's a badass for being for doing what he's done. He lost his title obviously to Roosh. Um, everything that's going on with Marty and then I think Brody Lee they're pushing by himself now in advertisement. I think I think they haven't started yet. They're like MLW and NWA. They're kind of about to I guess from what it, it sounds like. I'm not sure. But I guess uh, let's move on to the next match. We were kind of talking about it uh, earlier for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. So a belt that is not considered real. So everyone's doing that like we've already you know, said with whatever. Um, Moose going against Tommy Dreamer. It was a, a wrestling. No, no. What, what was the name of the style of match? Uh, I, I want to say it was like an old school match. It was just a hardcore match. The biggest spot that I will say that it was funny is the fact that they got to go after the eye for an eye thing before uh, Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins had their match because there's a spot where Tommy Dreamer got out. or I think maybe Moose actually got out thumbtacks and was trying to put Tommy's face into it. And Tommy was making all like, "Ah!" you know, making all like (laughs) scary noises. Uh, But it just it was it wasn't terrible. It just it, it was clunky. It was very clunky. It was. You know, Tommy's older. Moose isn't the most limber person. He does a lot of crazy athletic shit, and he's a personality. But I think he would even say that he's not, like, a fucking luchador. He's not like Willie Mack, who we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. Um, You know, a guy of size that does crazy stuff. He's kind of – he does whatever. So it wasn't the greatest match, but um, it was there. And, uh, yeah, they had that eye for an eye spot. So good job, Impact. That was smart to do that before – we got, God, I can't believe we have to talk about that fucking Saturday. Anyways, Chris, what did you think about this match? Like, well, yeah, for a bunch, of, they said it was old school rules a lot of times. So I think you're on spot there. Uh, I like you said, I have no idea what that means. It's either a hardcore match or not a fucking hardcore match, but it was a hardcore match. Um, it was a very very slow hardcore match where I thought Moose looked pretty good and Tommy Dreamer showed his age quite a bit. <laughs> I think they tried really hard, but it was not a great match. And and coming off of that very, very fast-paced, good tag opener, maybe not the best positioning on the show um, for this. But uh, outside of that, I mean, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it definitely didn't blow my hair back or anything. Yeah. I think Tommy Dreamer, uh, just like, you know, I, I appreciate Tommy and also Ken Shamrock later on for still wrestling and Ken looks in amazing shape. Tommy looks like Tommy. <laughs> God, I hate saying that. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's got, he's got a gorgeous wife. So he's a lucky man and he's, he's a wrestling God. Everyone loves him. Anyways, God bless Tommy Dreamer. Um, but you can tell a little bit that they're getting old 
both of them within this stuff. And, you know, it, it happens, obviously. But uh, we'll get to that once we get to the tag match with Ken Shamrock. Um, but, yeah, let's move on to the uh, the gauntlet match. It was actually a, a Royal Rumble-style battle royal uh, ending in two on, one-on-one pin-style match. Um, we had Tasha Steeles come out, Kylie Ray. Johnny Bravo dressed up as Taya Valkyrie. Yep, they're doing that shit. Uh, Kira Hogan, Susie, uh, RVD's uh, very uh, voluptuous, um, I think, wife, Katie Forbes. Uh, Kimberly, Madison Rain, Havoc, Taya Valkyrie, uh, Alicia Edwards, uh, Nevia, Rosemary, and then also Johnny Bravo dressed up as Rosemary. Um, yeah. So this match was, it's, it's very hard. It, it definitely seemed to me that it wasn't going to be Taya because she had the title for a very long time. And we kind of, I don't know if you, you said, I, I believe you said Sue Young, so Susie. I said Rosemary. I wasn't really thinking, though, since Kylie Ray has been a, you know, a newer person they were really hyping up right before the pandemic hit. And obviously she was an AEW. I don't know what happened there exactly, but now she's on this. So she is freaking annoying. Like, I kind of had the same issues with Bailey at certain points, too. Like, they're just too damn nice of a character. Um, oh, what's her name? Allie kind of had that, too, when she was an Impact. But that's the whole shtick behind her. It's kind of funny, especially when she challenges Deanna uh, Peraza to a match and goes for a handshake. And Deanna just, like, you know, no-sells her. And she just shakes her own hand. Like, some, some of it is kind of funny. But Kylie ended up winning. It came down to, like, her, Taya, and Rosemary, uh, which made a lot of sense. And it ended up going to her. You know, it wasn't – this match was – Katie Forbes at one point probably had the biggest uh, spot in the match by twerking it for about five fucking minutes. I don't know what the hell was going on. Uh, really like Kira Hogan. They, they have a good women's division, so it also showed that off. So I guess that's good. Um, but yeah, I you know it wasn't it wasn't anything amazing at all to say the least. And I'm glad Kylie Ray won. And they have something really weird in store for Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie. Uh, with this fake reality TV show thing that they're doing as part of one of their segments, I guess, on their show. Um, whatever. Uh, impacts, they're, they're unique. Anyways, uh, Chris, what did you think about the gauntlet match and them going with Kylie Ray um, for the winner? Uh, as far as them going with Kylie Ray, I mean, makes sense. She's new coming in. They're trying to give her a big push. I understand it. Not necessarily a huge fan of it, but I understand it. I kind of feel the same way as you. Except for, like, she's not as good as Bailey, and she has the persona turned up to, like, 15, which yeah. makes it a bit more annoying. Uh, but that's just a personal thing. It's, it, it's up to them completely. Obviously, it's their fucking show, not necessarily the way I would have went. But I also wouldn't have done a number one contenders match of this nature on a, my big WrestleMania pay-per-view. I would have just put this on TV and then had the actual title match. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Do you think that was the main purpose, though, that they were trying to do was even if the match was drizzling shits or whatever or just unstructured, here's all the ladies that we have for new list or for new viewers. Like, here's all of our female wrestlers. I I guess so, man. But the, the worst way to get people over is to put them in a match that sucks. Yeah, like it, that's it's like the point. it's like the women's Royal Rumble when they pull up someone like EO 
and she's in there and she hits like one finisher and gets thrown the fuck out like that doesn't get you over nope that's that's very true so after that we had heath slater come out uh he cut a promo he had i believe the same shirt that he was wearing on uh raw the uh free agent shirt and uh you know, I can't remember exactly what he said. One of the problems, you know, we were talking about this beforehand. I watched a live feed and the audio was kind of in and out for this. Make a long story short. Um, I forgot what the name of the wrestlers and I feel bad. I don't even have it listed. Um, Rajad, I believe. Uh, heel comes out, talks a bunch of shit to him. They get in the ring. He Slater puts them down, goes in the back. There's a segment later where he meets Rhino and, you know, it's all like, hey, what's up, man? Hey, dude, we're going to form a tag team, you know, buddies, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Scott Demore, who was the in charge of the – I forgot. Uh, it was like Team Canada, I believe, uh, in early TNA, who's now and has been behind the scenes one of the main people in charge of TNA since the start of it. Uh, him and Don Callis work. Well, he came over and, and basically was just a dick like, you know, sorry, Heath, you know, we have a pandemic going around. You can't just be on – I guess he wasn't really being a dick. Maybe he was just actually being – it was realistic for in character style shit. You know, you can't just come back here and just hang out with everyone. You're not even you're not on the list or anything like that. And it would go into their first show afterwards uh, this last Tuesday because he was trying to get a hold of Rhino, who said that he would help him out so he could talk more to Scott and get him inside of it. And Rhino was doing something else that preoccupied him, so he had to sneak in right at the end. But it was at the end of the show, so I don't exactly know what they're doing with Heath Slater. To me, after what he cut. I wouldn't be going for a goofy storyline. I wouldn't be going for a tag team with Rhino, and I love Rhino. And they do make a good tag team, and seeing them full tilt would be really cool. But I would be trying to push Heath Slater as a babyface with the passion and the fire that he had with that last promo. And I thought they kind of – they're showing that they're going in the usual direction that it looks like WWE looked at him as, and that's more goofy. But I could be wrong. Uh, Chris, what would you think about his promo and then his interactions with Scott Demore and Rhino later on? Yeah, so for what I've gathered from the promo, he basically, he was saying that he, he planned originally to come out and challenge the Rascals for the tag team titles, I guess, even though he didn't have a partner at the time. So that didn't make sense, because then later he would ask Rhino to be his partner. You think maybe that segment would have been at the beginning of the show, or I don't know. But anyways... I was he, thinking the same thing! <laughs> he's just going to challenge these guys for the tag titles without a partner. I thought that was a little bit weird. Um, but then he said there was still a vacant spot for the world title and that he wanted in on it. So at least they good, did a j- good job of keeping, is he going to be the surprise guy for the um, number one or that uh, the title match at the end of the night, the main event, um, which obviously didn't happen based on what you just stated and, and the Rhino promo and everything that happened afterwards. But uh, yeah, I thought this was pretty decent. I agree with you. Um, they could be just teasing us, though. Maybe Rhino is just going to snap him in half and they'll have a feud or a match for a little bit. They could do something like that. And if that's the case, that's good. But I'm glad that Heath is part of another company. And, I mean, it was weird. It was kind of like that Rick Rude situation where all of a sudden one night he's on Raw and then he's on Impact Slammiversary with the exact same outfit. Um, But, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. As of right now, it seems like they're going into the norm. Maybe they are trying to uh, bait and switch us. That would make a lot of sense storyline-wise. So looking forward to seeing Mr. Miller as a part of Impact Wrestling. So we had uh, Chris Bay and X Division champion Willie Mack going at it. They've had a few building up for a while. 
And uh, Chris Bay reminds me a lot of Shane Strickland. Uh, just a little more pompous and definitely more on the heel side than Shane is. Shane is usually babyface, like in MLW. Um, but similar look, very fast in the ring. Um, and uh, him and Willie Mack had a damn good match, man. Uh, Willie Mack is so much fun to watch in the ring just because of his size and the fact that he does Lucha Libre. I mean, I talked, I forgot what the name of the director of, of the Scarecrows was, but he actually was uh, one of the announcers at California um, California Honor Wrestling. I, I can't remember the exact name, but either way, it was where Willie Mack came from. And me and him just said, like, dude, he's like, he's like a little bit, he's like a little bit of Dusty, a little bit of Junkyard Dog, but he moves like a fucking luchador. And he ended up losing, which he's had this X Division for a while, but I think they're positioning him probably for the main title because they haven't done that yet with him. And he's a phenomenal worker. Uh, he's He gets, uh, to me, from what I've seen, he knows the modern style of being able to do this type of over-the-top shit that he can do. But he also understands, you know, basic um, uh, psychology, in-ring psychology and stuff like that, being like a baby face when he's getting his ass kicked. And I, I think Chris Bay's good. I think they're going in a different direction. Um I don't know who else I would have put the X Division title on, but to me, it's like develop this guy then if you're going to put a title on him. But maybe I just don't know him because I haven't been paying attention to Impact as much. But I like the match, and it definitely shocked me a bit that Chris Bay won. So, like I said, they had all their titles turned around uh, by their first um, you know, uh, show on Tuesday. So, Chris, what did you think about this match for the X Division Championship? Well, okay, so with Chris Bay, I thought he did a good job of being kind of a shitbag, chicken shit heel. The entire match, like hiding behind the referee, raking the eyes, uh, even to set up the finish was kind of very heel. So there's there's some meat left on that bone if they want to go there. I thought the in-ring work was very, very good in this match. A lot of fun to watch. I will say, out of all the matches on the show, I think this one was the one that was hurt the most by there not being any fans there. It's like both these guys really could have used some fans. Um, yeah, that, that would be my one takeaway. But I, I thought this was... I don't know, probably in ring work, in in ring wise, I think this was the best match of the night, even though my favorite match of the night was probably that opener. Um, so I like this match a lot. Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty damn good, too. Uh, next match we had uh, was the North, um, the Impact Tag Team Champions. Uh, like I said, I think they had it for a year and five months. I didn't even realize. I think I said, I think they've had it for eight months. No, it was actually over a year. Uh, so they have the record for, um, I guess, the, the longest amount of time having the uh, the titles. Um, but I'm a big fan of Ethan Page. I think that he is awesome. Josh Alexander is a really good wrestler, very strong in ring. Ethan's definitely more of the shit talker between the two. Favorite wrestler being The Rock, so it kind of makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you see, you know, his his uh, promos, which are really good, especially the one that they cut on Tuesday um, before getting their asses kicked by the Motor City Machine Guns. But I'm looking forward to more matches between the two of them. Anyways, Josh Matthews described this as Batman and Joker on the same side with Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan. And I, I think I understood what he was going for, but Batman and, and Ken Shamrock to me are not the same. I guess, well, Batman is kind of fucking crazy, but it's like a different crazy. He's more like, you know, stoic and shit. Kent's like all over the fucking place, but whatever. It was it was like a weird uh, little thing he threw out there. But uh, like I said, I thought that Sammy looked good. I you know I I thought that 
that uh, Ethan Page and uh, Josh Alexander look good. I thought Ken, some of the spots, especially working off of Josh Alexander, both of them do an ankle lock. That was a kind of cool spot they had. Certain other things that they did. But at certain spots, Ken Shamrock was just staring at what was going on and not really reacting to it. And, of course, some shit happened between him and Sammy that contributed towards their loss. Uh, Sammy Gallahan is a really good pile driver, I wanted to say. Um, but anyways, the North won, and then obviously Alex Shelley uh, and Chris Saban came out, told them that they got a match with them on Tuesday, and they ended up beating them finally, uh, ending their reign. Ethan Page was uh, very excited uh, in an interview that he did with, I think, What Culture? I'm not 100% sure. Um, just talking about work, being able to work with Motor City Machine Guns, because he's so young, he grew up fucking watching TNA. God, I'm getting old. Anyway, so it was cool, you know, him kind of getting giddy on that and, and talking about, you know, them having a match and then hopefully having a feud, uh, which I'm hoping that they do, obviously, too. But, Chris, how did you like this match? Did you also notice that, that Ken Shermonk seemed a little, uh, towards the end, I don't know, out of it? He seemed like he was just gassed at the end of the match. And, and outside of the end of this match, I thought the rest of it was very, very good if you – if you take away just the end segments there with Ken, Sh- Ken Shamrock. So, yeah, I would I would lean to the same way. That's really cool to hear that uh, the North is so hyped on wanting to work with Motor City Machine Guns, uh, specifically Ethan Page, I guess, is who you said was in that that interview. But I like this match. Uh, like you said, I think the, the, the glaring thing was that, like, Shamrock and Sammy Callahan kind of just got out of sync with each other there at the end, and I think maybe it was just that Ken was a little blown up. And that would make sense. Ken looks like a million fucking bucks, and the fact that he's still wrestling at his age, like I said, God bless him. Um, then we have the uh, Impact Knockouts Championship, Deanna Parazzo and Jordan Grace champion. Uh, Jordan kicked Ty Valkyrie off her pedestal. She's only had the title for a shorter period of time, well, with COVID in the middle of it and everything, but uh, technically hasn't been as long for her to defend it. And they gave it to Deanna Perrazzo, and I really, I, I think, you know, I heard uh, Brian and Dave talk about this, and, and Brian was a big fan of this match. Dave didn't just cut it to pieces, but, you know, I don't Dave Metzler and me don't have to agree on everything or anything like that. But I kind of agreed with Brian. I thought this was actually a really good match. It also looked like a grudge match, like Jordan was pissed off with Deanna when she first got there, you know, and her extending her hand, putting her in an arm bar, and just kind of being, like I said, like, like like kind of MJF-ish. Like, she's too good for this. She's She comes from a rich background. You know, this whole thing's all bullshit. But they're both good wrestlers. And Gianna made it believable, her getting her ass kicked a good, uh, you know, amount of the time from Jordan and then kind of taking advantage of situations and then working on her arm. Uh, and Jordan, at the end of it, she, uh, she tapped. And I like how she tapped. She's like, all right, I tap! Like, she was pissed off that she had to. So she kind of still has that edge to her. But... I was kind of surprised that they uh, they put the title on Deanna Prazo that quickly. Um, and obviously they're setting up her and Kylie Ray because they had a confrontation the next uh, time. So I don't know what's going on with Jordan. I hope – I mean, I'd like to see her back with that title again soon because I think she's one of the best females that they have. But uh, they went with Deanna Prazo. What do you think about this match, Chris? I mean, it seems like they're strapping the Jets to Deanna right now, right? They That seems like the person they push the most on social media just looking at their Twitter and, and seeing the amount of hype as soon as she was brought in. Um, I think it's a little weird to take it off Jordan Grace so quickly and then immediately push towards 
Peru, uh, Peruzo versus Kylie Ray. I mean, you're you're stuck with that match, and in theory, you would assume that Jordan Grace would have a have a rematch. That's kind of why I'm, that's kind of why to me when I was saying earlier, like your number one contenders match. I know that you set these things up kind of in that manner. It might have been better just to have that be a TV match or something, and done that title match i don't know it's it's impact so in the back of my mind just because i'm still haunted by old tna it'll just end up being a fucking like three-way or six-way match with like like Uh. all of these women anyways after the next like four weeks of television but uh i thought this was a very very good match probably my second uh like as far as in-ring work goes probably the second best match of the night so I don't know. I didn't hear Dave, how Dave lit into this match. But uh, if it's anything like some of his other reviews as of late. He has an interesting theory sometimes. Um, what was it? I'm trying to find Jordan of when May 20. Oh, she's she's with the company until 2021. May of 2021. So I didn't know maybe if her contract was ending or something. But, you know, Deanna's also good. I'm sure they'll get back to some type of feud with her. They have a lot of top females in the company. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of strange at the same time, having that situation all of a sudden end. Um, but the weird thing, I don't know if you heard this. I'm trying to find the article. Apparently, Deanna Prazo doesn't have a, an actual, like, full contract with them yet. Like, she's kind of working month to month with Impact. Could that bite them in the fucking ass if that's true? Uh, I mean, no more than their heavyweight champion just deciding that they're not going to show up anymore. I mean, I guess that's a good point. <laughs> like Jesus, uh, not to be a dick, but I mean, no, probably not. Maybe they, maybe they wanted to wait and give her the title before they did anything like that, or maybe there's money questions involved about how much she's wanting to make. Um, hopefully she's just professional about it and decides if she wants to leave, she just drops the title in this number one contenders match like a month from now. Right. Yeah. I mean, it seems like if they got to do that, they got to do that. But yeah, I'm looking up. So yeah, she's going month to month right now. I, that's, that's still crazy to put a championship on someone that I had in a full contract, but I get it. At the same time, I don't know. Um, I guess let's let's. uh, It's it's only crazy if the person turns out to be a complete asshole, though, right? Yeah. You know, like Rey Mysterio is not going to totally fuck over WWE. He's going month to month. I mean, not everyone's going to be like that, but you would hope that if she's at the end of the next month, she's got four weeks of TV tapings that they just figure out a way to get the belt off of her. No harm, no foul, kind of thing. Yeah, that's very true. All right, so the last match was supposed to be Eddie Edwards, um, Ace Austin, and Trey, and then a mystery person. Uh, we saw Rich Swan in a interview earlier. Uh, he was still uh, coming back from an injury that he had sustained. Uh, in real life, uh, he injured, I think, his right knee. It was basically the opposite knee that, they, that uh, Eric Young would fucking destroy later on in the night. But he was healed up, and I I told you it was a bit underwhelming finding out who the fourth person was. And I like Rick Swan, but it was like, really? This is how you're going to, you know, with all the options and all the people that we've heard about, 
It's, it, you know, Rich Swan is going to be the person that comes out. And then Eric Young enters, which was a little bit of an upgrade. I like seeing Eric Young back. He's definitely full heel, not a baby face like he has been in TNA beforehand. And, uh, you know, cut a promo, uh, said that there was now a five-way. And these guys had a fucking excellent match, I think, uh, for a five-way match elimination, which elimination is a way to go in that type of situation. Should get down to two people, I think. Um, they they were able to all hit spots, all have spotlights on them. You had Eddie Edwards, who had this past feud with Ace Austin, because Ace Austin was going after his wife and trying to bang at her behind his back, which ended up blowing up in his face, and they had a rivalry. Obviously, he's been, you know, kind of going back and uh, forth with Trey up to this, and he's got that ginormous motherfucker with him. Um, you know, his diesel, and uh, he got kicked out. Madman uh, uh, Fulton got kicked out pretty much right off the back from the referee, so we'd have to worry about that. But Ace Austin, I thought, was going to actually win this, and I didn't think Rich was going to get it. I definitely didn't think Eric Young was going to get it. Um, I thought kind of they would put on a younger guy like Ace Austin or Trey, honestly. They went with Eddie, Eddie Edwards, and it was a good match, and it ended up with him and Ace Austin squaring off. And uh, I like this match a lot. Uh, five, like I said, five ways can be fucking just terrible, but even the storyline of Eric Young snapping when he got rolled up by Rich Swan, and then just going after the knee that he just came back from and destroying it, and, like, pilmanizing it, like, fucking three times with a chair. Just uh, good stuff, I would say. And now Eddie Edwards is a champion. Now, do I think that Eddie Edwards will be a sustainable champion to get eyes on the product? No, not really. Uh, I like Eddie. I think that beforehand he was a little vanilla when I first kind of started watching it. It always seemed like when the towards the end of the Wolves that I got to see live, and before they started, you know, feuding together, Davey Richards was the guy that was, like, interesting to me out of the two of them. And Eddie's come a long way. He's definitely, you know, when he got fucking hit in the eye for real from a baseball bat from Sammy Callahan on accident, and they actually went with a storyline of that making him kind of go crazy, and then Tommy Dreamer kind of helping him out with that, it's turned him in a better direction. And I like him. You know, him and Eric Young are going to have a feud. That's that's fine, Dandy. I'm sure they're going to end up putting that on someone else soon in the future. But either way, two-time, you know, Impact Champion Eddie Edwards, and uh, it was a good match. I liked it. We'll talk about what happened afterwards uh, after I get what you thought about the match, Chris. Oh, man, it's so hard for me to separate the two. Uh, I thought the match was pretty good. It's You know I'm going to hate it for the most part just because it's a weird five-way match. At least they went elimination with it, but there was a lot of really cool spots. Um Man, and it really they did do a really good job of making you feel like Swan had a a great chance of winning this thing there around the middle part of this match. But uh, overall, I liked it a lot. No no real complaints on this one, surprisingly, even though I hate five way matches in general. Yeah, and you know I usually do too. And uh, like I said, I think elimination had a lot to do with it. I think that if you have a fucking three way match, it should be an elimination match. It just makes sense to get down to two people to get down to the best out of that group. Um, but, yeah, I, I liked the match. I thought it was entertaining. Afterwards, Madman Fulton and Ace Austin uh, confront Eddie Edwards. They're they're about to fuck him up. And we have the Good Brothers who make their, you know, their return. They come out. 
you don't know if they're heel or babyface. Are they gonna? I kind of knew that they were gonna help out Eddie Edwards, but or are they gonna like you know Ace Austin's like proposing him like why don't you guys kind of like join our camaraderie and um, that didn't happen. Uh, you know the Good Brothers beat the shit out of them, helped out Eddie Edwards. Uh, they all drank beer, and you know he raised his title. And after that, you think that's it? No, we find out the guy in the chair that's been watching all these news things about all the wrestlers leaving. It's EC3. So now we have him back. He would end up attacking Moose on the, the last episode of uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, so it looks like they're setting up a few. They're going to go back to their few that they had beforehand. Um, and the Good Brothers, they were attacked. I forgot what the name of the tag team, but they're, they're two bikers. A lot of people are proposing that Bully Ray is going to end up with them and they're going to try to do something with Aces and Eights. I, I, whatever. They're, they're Reno scum. So Madman Fulton and um, Ace Austin got the Good Brothers to come out. Or no, they came out while they were making a promo talking about their return to wrestling, American wrestling. And they had Reno scum come out and attack them. They all four start beating the crap out of them on their way out uh, after, after, um, the Good Brothers got the better out of all four of those guys and, you know, ran them off. They were leaving. Ace Austin came and uh, him and Mad Men Fulton were kind of mocking them from their vehicle and talking shit, distracted them. Reno Scum kind of attacked them from behind. They got the better of them again and kind of chased the vehicle down with Ace Austin, but they took off. So they're baby faces hell. They look like they're going to be going against Ace Austin and... Um, and Madman Fulton, which will be good because Ace gets a lot of comparisons. And for being 23, the man is very agile for his age. He gets a lot of comparisons to his hero, AJ Styles. So I think it's kind of a fun pairing that AJ's two buddies are going to go, you know, against this new kid. That's he's he's a good heel. He uh, he's very punchable, I would say, with his little purple hair and shit. But um, I liked all this. How'd you like seeing the Good Brothers? Um, then position as baby faces and then EC3 at the end of it to kind of close the show. I mean, it was cool seeing the good brothers there, but the EC3 thing overshadowed the most of mo- to me, most of the show, as far as looking at like a legitimate star with the way he was presented. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Cause you know, I mean, the, the video package they did for him was great. The build up to it was pretty great. And then like the payoff was really, really great, especially considering he, has like one of the longest undefeated streaks in impact history. The fact they're going back to him and Moose's, Moose's feud again. Um, like to me, it was the best thing on the show segment wise or match wise, just like they did a great job. No complaints on that. And I'm not even a huge EC3 fan, but they made him come off as a huge star. Yep. And after watching him, you know, not say anything <laughs> when he was on, like, look in the mirror and shit. It's going to be uh, interesting to get that bad, you know, EC3 who talks a bunch of shit and stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I, I liked a lot what they had. Let's I'm going to go over a couple of the highlights from Tuesday night that we didn't talk about. Uh, we had another X Division match, a rematch for the X Division championship, and they had probably not even eight minutes on this match really good back and forth with chris bay and willie mack and even though he did some cheap stuff raking the eyes other heel work chris bay ended up winning and beating willie mack clean at the end of it 
so they're going with him for a minute, it seems like. I already talked about the Good Brothers, them coming out, having that interaction with Ace Austin. Um, I already talked about the Heat stuff. Um, that's not really that big of a deal. I'm trying to think of, like, storyline-wise, if there's anything else worth talking about. We had Hernandez and Rhino have a match. They've been having this competition for a while. They both are putting money on the line, and uh, Hernandez owes Rhino some money. So uh, there's some rumors, uh, Chris, that Homicide might be coming back to Impact. So it potentially could have the original LAX together, even though I've heard that Homicide is like injured has gotten injured like a million times. Um, that would be another great tag team if they got that. Would you like to see Heath Miller and Rhino go against Hernandez and uh, Homicide? Sure. Do you think they could get Conan back as a manager? I mean, he's not really doing anything, so that would be awesome. If you're going to pull him back, you might as well bring Conan back. That would be uh, a good formation of old LAX. I'd be into that. Just uh, very smart taking some of these older tag teams and putting them in here. And obviously, yeah, so the the other big thing was, you know, what the last match, which uh, was the Impact World Tag Team Titles match, we've already talked about it. The Motor City Machine Guns beat the North um, after them having the titles as long as they've had. They beat them. I thought it was a pretty damn good match, and I definitely want some longer matches in the future, especially a pay-per-view match between the two. So um, I don't know if you got a chance to check this out. I, I assume that if you watched anything, it might have been this match in general. But um, regardless, even if you didn't, like we said, Motor City Machine Guns are now the champions again. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that's the only match I watched of the show without I with a couple of video highlights here and there. I have not had a, t- a chance to go back and watch the full show yet. But uh, yeah, Motor City Machine Guns are your Impact World <laughs> Champions. Holy shit. It's fucking crazy. It's it's a little crazy. I mean, that that's one of the, like, the most shocking things that's happened since like the Hardys showed up on WWE that one time during the Royal Rumble after all those <laughs> years of not being there. Yeah. It was kind of that kind of level of shock for me because I don't remember hearing any rumors about, oh, yeah, no, Motor City Machine Guns might be coming back. They did a really good job of uh, of burying that one a little bit news-wise. They really did. They, they didn't give away anything like that. I don't remember hearing – I don't think anyone knew that that was happening. So good on – you know, Scott Demore, obviously, who's been there for a while. But I really want to say that Don Callis seems like – in the last two and a half years that he's been a part of management and also booking, really trying hard and at certain times not having a lot of people to be able to build off of, but trying to turn around the product of basically the shit that they put themselves into for the last, what, 10 years, Chris? Yeah, and I wonder now that they have some of these larger names if that means they might be able to land an actual TV deal somewhere. Yeah, that's not on Access, you mean? Yeah, okay, so they are so they are on Access at this point? Because I thought they dropped... Am I mixing up the two companies? Because I thought that... No, they. that's why they... That's right, they dropped New Japan for Impact. For some reason, I was thinking Ring of Honor, but that makes sense. It's because they showed all three on Access there for a while. Um, at yeah. least in Atlanta, they were showing all three products on uh, Friday and Saturday night, they were just showing New Japan Impact and Ring of Honor, depending on what time you're watching the TV. But the, yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
well, maybe they'll put more of a focus on it so that I know that they're on access again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I hate to say this, but obviously they know where they're at. If you guys want to watch it for free, if you don't have cable, um, all you have to do is go to, you know, get your, your Amazon Fire Stick or whatever. Just get Twitch and go to Impact Wrestling. Search it. They play Impact all day unless they have wrestlers playing video games, which I guess that makes sense. That is Twitch's shtick. Um, but... What's what's more important is you can watch the live things on Tuesday nights at eight o'clock. So that's that's how I'm going to be watching it. Um, and you know I don't I don't have a lot to do on uh, on uh, Tuesday. So now I I watch Dark and now I'll watch Impact. I watch way too much fucking wrestling, Chris. I am such a yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, Tuesdays is like my catch up day from the half and a half hour and a half of fucking Raw I miss and whatever good New Japan stuff I might have missed on. Sunday when it comes on at three in the morning or whatever. I sent a picture to Chris and I was watching the new New Japan at the same time as Raw because I told him that it makes it so you know I'm more excited about the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, uh, and it's the Japanese announcing, so I don't even know what the hell's going on. And I'd rather watch that than Raw a million times over half the time. And it's a bunch of tag matches for their live events. Oh god. You you should just like not watch New Japan but leave the Japanese announcers on because the announcing would still be better than Raw's announcing. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Even though it would Especially, have nothing to do with what was going on. No idea what the hell's going on. I don't know what the hell's going on anyways when they're announcing on it. So uh I shouldn't hate too much. I actually like this last Monday night raw. It wasn't too bad. But we'll get to that Saturday when we decide to fucking talk about it. You guys are, are listening to the uh the fun show. And with that, we should probably go over um, a little bit of AEW, I would say. Um, so AEW opened up with a match for the TNT Championship match. It was kind of given out online from Tony Khan and, and promoted that there would be a big name on the indie circuit who would be going against and challenging Cody. And it's not that I think that Eddie Kingston's not a big name. It just I wasn't expecting that version or that person. They've been... You know, they, they've been hinting about going against um, Warhorse, who's like a big wrestler on the scene right now. He's kind of he, – he's smaller in size, but everyone in wrestling kind of is nowadays. But he goes for like – Warhorse goes for like an Ultimate Warrior-style gimmick, but he's actually kind of making fun of it. So I don't know how the hell it would work in an actual situation. So that will be interesting if that's the case. But that wasn't it. It was Eddie Kingston. It wasn't uh, Zack Ryder, uh, a.k.a. Matt Cadona. Um, and Eddie came out and he fucking cut a great promo. I just know, and, and, and you just know, Chris, Eddie's not the greatest efficient person in the fucking ring. Uh, he just basically stiff punches the hell out of it and kind of gets a little sloppy in other places, but he's kind of known for being that style of fighter. He's, he's more of a brawler. Uh, he does cheap shit. He does whatever he has to, to win. Um, but his, his promos are great, especially, you know, he managed, the old LAX when they were going against Conan and the new LAX and impact and him and Conan Conan's one of his, uh, his mentors, you know, did some great promo work, obviously because fucking Conan's great on the mic. Uh, but Eddie, they had an awesome match. I would say for, for the style of match, which he pissed them off enough, got him riled up, talked shit to Arn Anderson where Cody was willing to put the title on the line in a, 
you know, a hardcore match, um, a no DQ match. And the ending spot with the thumbtacks, I did not think that Eddie – that I thought, well, Eddie's got a shirt on. It will make sense. He'll go for something like a pal driver, and then Cody will reverse it and then backslam right on the fucking tacks. You know, the bad guy put them out, and now he's back on them. No, they didn't do that. He actually powerbombed fucking Cody onto the thumbtacks. They're sticking out of them. My, my boss, who I got into AEW – and back into wrestling after years of not watching it was like, holy shit, you can't fucking fake that. I was like, yeah, no crap, man. Cody took one hell of a bump, but I loved it because he sting pumped up. It like pissed him off when he started losing that badly that he fucking went crazy and got the win um, after the crossroads on Eddie Kingston. And I liked how they didn't shake hands at the end. Eddie got the fuck out of the ring. He was disgusted himself. He kind of paused on the ramp and was like just reflecting on everything, you know, and, and Excalibur did a good job painting his background, how like, you know, since there's been no wrestling lately, he had to, uh, what did they say? Like sell his, his, his boots, his wrestling boots or some shit. So he made up some good crap about like, you know, how bad it's been for him lately. So I don't know if we're going to see him further. You know, I kind of I, – I don't mind him wrestling or anything like that, but I kind of like to see him in a manager role or a part of some group of individuals. Maybe what Taz is building right now because now he has um, he has Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. You know, put another angry New Yorker in there to piss him off. Probably doesn't actually need to happen. But it was good seeing Eddie regardless. Uh, how did you like this match, and how did you like it? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't Zack Ryder. It wasn't anyone else. It was uh, Eddie Kingston. This was way better than anything Eddie Kingston did over 2019 until now, because watching him feud with the wild cards in NWA was fucking awful. Yep. (laughs) Those were some bad matches. Uh, I don't know, man. I thought this was a good brawl. That was uh, a good, fun opener. It's weird to see Cody do as much shit as he does on TV each week. As far as like blading and or getting backdropped on the thumbtacks, I guess now. Uh, but that's that's what Cody's been doing, and um, I thought this was pretty pretty okay match. Just not a huge Eddie Kingston fan, like you said. I think he's good on the mic. Not necessarily the biggest fan of his in-ring work. It's just crazy to me because he was trained by Chris Hero, and they're absolutely like nothing alike. Um, and. <laughs> was part of that Shikara wrestling factory, which I don't know. He's just kind of a weird guy. I never got super into. I know he's pretty, pretty well loved for people that like Shikara and, and some of the other places he's been over his career. Um, but yeah, not necessarily my, my cup of tea. What I would love, and I said this for Conan, but I don't think Conan's coming to AEW anytime soon. You know, he's trying to get MLW started back up and shit, and he also does a lot of stuff booking-wise in AAA. Um, and I don't even know if they've even started, but he's basically – he's got prior stuff. You know, I kind of suggested him with Cain Velasquez. If they positioned Eddie Kingston as the talking – the mouthpiece for Cain Velasquez or something like that, I think he would do a really good job managing, especially in a situation where maybe he feuds with someone, Jericho and someone, and Jericho him are the talking pieces – but he can still actually fucking go in the ring if they need to. But him on the mic, I think, is more important than him in the ring, I would say. 
Yeah, I'm curious on if he if they start NWA back, if he's going to continue to float around like he is currently, or if he's just going to go back to NWA. That is a question. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see him being a good manager. We've seen it in the past. Um, it's just, does he want to wrestle or does he want to be a manager? Because I think they would, they're not, I mean, unless he does something with, like you said, Jericho, I don't know that you could build him into a match with any of the other managers that AEW has since they're mostly all old. Maybe, I guess, with the exception of Evil Uno, if he's considered a manager. I don't even know what the hell he's considered. Um. <laughs> I will uh, say, when you when you say top indie star, the first name that comes to yeah. mind is not necessarily Eddie Kingston with the amount of people that are out there right now. Um, and the fact that you just had a dark match with, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. Yep. I I agree. It's uh that's dude, I was thinking I was I was I think I literally said to you it's gonna be Brian Pillman Jr. or Zack Ryder. Nope, neither one of them it was Eddie Kingston. And the only reason I mentioned Warhorse or checked them out is because Arn Anderson and him were talking about an interview like we'd like to go against that guy. So um I don't know. But it, with with uh with I guess with Zack Ryder, that, that being a major indie star wouldn't really count since he hasn't done any indies in years and years. You know, I feel bad now that you just said major. Um, and I forgot that Brian Myers also <laughs> ended up on fucking Impact uh, in a mask with an M on it. So he's going for some like luchador look. So now that you mentioned Zack Ryder... Kurt Hawkins, a.k.a. Brian Myers, he's also a part of Impact. Forgot to mention that. Oh, well. Yes, I didn't even hear that. So I'm, I'm a little – I need to I, I need to go back and watch that Tuesday show, it sounds like. He does a short little skit where they show him and he has a mask on. And I wouldn't have known it was him until uh, Tommy Dreamer put a picture of all of them flicking off the camera backstage with all the ex-WWE guys. <laughs> So I guess he's going to be uh, the new El Generico. Well, what's weird is you think that – I don't know who's portraying suicide at this point. I know that it started with Christopher Daniels. It was Austin Aries. I think Chris Sabin was him, and it ended up being TJP. TJP is on the product. Him and Falaba have like a have like a, a, a tag team going on, and um, we have suicide too, and I have no clue who the hell's under the mask. You would have think – if they were to have like put him under a mask, they would have like made him the new suicide or something like that. But now it's 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 an orange and blue costume, very similar to what he used to wear, and it's got a blue and orange mask on it, and you can just see his eyes, and it says an it, there's like an M on his uh, on his mouthpiece. So I guess yeah, he is the new El Generico. I don't know. <laughs> He's not going to be as good as the new El Generico. No offense to Myers, but hopefully that's not the storyline. Maybe they'll just do mask versus mask. Yeah, that would be interesting. I'm down for that. Suicide, El Generico, him, Prince Puma, all of them. Mask is on the line. <laughs> Ryan's losing first, though, in that situation. Probably. Um, you know, and and that's a that's a good that's that's a good thing. Now that we're thinking about it, I was looking at the list of people that got released. Chris, the only ones left that don't have a place are Macadona, who Zack Ryder, obviously. Um, Curtis Axel, aka Curtis fucking Heading, um, Mike or uh, what you call it, Mike Kyoto, the referee, 
obviously. No Way Jose. I think that was pretty much fucking it. Uh, Leo Rush is rumored to be showing up on Impact. So there's at least rumors. Oh, and Rusev. So I wonder where, especially No Way Jose, I'm not really as enthralled of finding out where he goes. No offense to him, but that's just the way that he was booked. But obviously, where's Zack Ryder going, especially since Brian's now in Impact? And where the hell is Rusev going? I, I don't know. Both all the companies have signed so many people as of late. This is kind of what what I was talking about. Where where do they fall? I mean, it still seems like your Matt Cardona would be either back to WWE or back to AEW. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. It's like because even Heath Heath Slater, I thought maybe would end up in AEW, but he's actually an Impact. I mean, maybe if ROH is coming back soon. Does Zack Ryder show up in AEW or Ring of Honor? He definitely could. It's very telling that he didn't decide to go with Brian Myers to Impact, though. Well, we don't we don't know that yet, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I know that he took a bunch of picture of his new wrestling gear and did a YouTube for the Major Wrestling Figures podcast. So he's got something. He's at least taking dates since he's doing promo photos with his new ring gear. I'm sure that shit's getting used somewhere. You know, I want to turn the sh- or I want to actually shut the shit down of the idea of him coming out and challenging Cody for the title because I don't know if you really want to have if he does go to AEW. I don't know if you really want to have him show up and lose to Cody the first time he fucking comes on, and I don't think you're going to give him the title. But everyone seems to think that's how they're going to sprinkle him in if they do an AEW. Well, he is the internet champion. Maybe they put him on AEW Dark and give him an undefeated streak. That'd be kind of cool. I'd be down for that. He kind of has his own belt that he <coughs> can defend there. If they want to do something just kind of weird and off the wall, um, just because like the new promo pictures he did was with that internet championship, so maybe he's doing something weird. Or hell, as crazy as wrestling's been later, maybe him and Myers are actually about to start their own fucking wrestling federation on YouTube or some weird shit. <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that? There is a it's they're making it sound like it's kind of like Southport Regional Wrestling, but um, the Good Brothers are doing something. What the fuck? They're calling it like Talking Shop Omania, I think, and it's a wrestling event, but it's gonna be a joke event. And like all these, you know, ex WWE guys, including both Brian Myers and Macadona, like from different companies, are gonna be in this thing, and it's supposed to be like basically a joke stuff. So that'd be kind of funny if. <laughs> they end up doing that more than more often than not. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, he's, he's such a, he's your most prototypical looking WWE guy. So it's just hard to really place where they would put him at this point, at, at least with, uh, with Matt Cardona or Zack Ryder. Yep. All right. Well, let's keep, let's get back to AEW. uh backstage uh moxley said that he prides himself on keeping it real when he tells us he's going to do it he'll do it like when he told taz he was going to try and rip uh uh cage's arm off he did he gives uh taz manager of the year because cage was uh this close to six months off due to injury taz made the right call he tells cage that next time he won't let go so just a tough you know, promo from Mox. We'll see him later on help out Darby Allen against Cage and, and Ricky Starks. Um, I'm still not feeling 
I think it was, you know, watching the match the second time, it was the delivery actually afterwards that is the reason that I kind of got soured uh, from that match. Like, it, I'm all right with Brian Cage. He didn't actually lose. His manager put in the towel. But Brian Cage, and it's his fault, and, you know, people make mistakes, he didn't react well afterwards. And what I mean by that is, like, the way that he should have reacted, he should have been pissed that fucking Taz did that. He didn't really show that much emotions towards it. We had to hear that the next week in a promo about it from Taz, clarifying it. And also, he went from having a really fucked up arm to being able to, you know, pummel someone with those arms. I remember JR was trying to help out the situation because he said something on the lines of like, you notice that he's using his left arm, and then he starts using the right arm too. And I was like, all right, well, never mind. You know, it was minor, but those little details sometimes I wish that any company would remember when type of situations like that. And I kind of think they, they turned it around a bit with Taz, you know, kind of explaining and putting more emphasis. But if it actually happened right after the fight, it would already be there is what I'm trying to say. So I'm the whole Brian Cage losing, whatever, they'll make a story out of it. And we're obviously getting him and Starks versus Darby Allen and, and uh, John Moxley next week. But uh, how'd you like the John Moxley interview? And the fallout from the whole uh, Moxley and Cage thing. Well, I agree with you. The fallout was a little weird. JR did try to cover it up. Like, he's hitting him with that arm, but there's nothing in there. Like, like he doesn't have any kind of feeling in it. Like, he's not able to really do any damage with it. Um, so, yeah, JR tried to cover it up. But it was a little weird. Um, at the time, I just liked the match so much that I didn't really think about it too much, the aftermath. It's, and also the aftermath so rushed because it was just a way to get Darby Allen out there to bring him back, which maybe they could have just saved the stink it. spot. Yeah. So I, I will say what I did like is this week when Moxley basically said Taz gets his vote for manager of the year for throwing in the towel because he was going to pop his uh, bicep like a water balloon. And then he just said, next time I'm not letting go regardless of the towel, which – is typical crazy Moxley. I thought Moxley's promo was pretty great. Yeah, me too. I definitely liked it. Um, yeah, I I, def- I think that he's turned himself around a lot lately. You know, and, and it wasn't his fault, but he just kind of got a little stale. Obviously, the pandemic did not help after him winning the title, and I think Moxley's peppering in himself and getting a lot more over, with me at least, uh, unlike the last couple weeks before. Yeah, and I think this cage win does give him give him some juice again. Yep. You know, like it gives it revitalizes him a little bit coming off of that, and then having to be out for two or three weeks with poor Renee having COVID, so he was delayed even further. So that's gotta suck if your wife. A has good match, COVID. a good win, and a good yeah. Yep. All right, so we had MJF come out. He was going against. I forgot what Griff Garrison's calling himself, like the Ivy League Griff Garrison. So it's like, uh, it's like he's a new Chris uh, Nowinski or something like that. But um, he was calling him Jungle Man because he looks a lot like. I think Griff actually kind of looks like Lionheart Chris Jericho, circa like '94, like right before he came to WCW ECW era. But um, he's he doesn't have the best record, but he's been on Dark, and they've been building him. Uh, MJF is just great on the mic, you know, uh, talking to him about how he's undefeated and he let Griff talk and Griff's like, yeah, 
you know, obviously it was a little bit uncomfortable on the mic. This is the first time he's probably on television. Uh, so you could tell that a little bit, but I like how he was like, didn't you lose in a tag match? And Roddy, 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 Roddy Piper style just was like, yeah, let me do it. And then just hits him with the friggin' microphone match starts. He just goes, starts beating the crap out of them. At one part, Griff gets the better of him a little bit, but it's MJF. Then he grabs the friggin' microphone and he's doing fucking the rock commentating or Jerry Lawler commentating while he's beating the crap out of the person. And, uh, one, two, three. Uh, MJF wins in a roll-up. Uh, thought it was good, though. I, I, I really like MJF. I know they're they're creating more tension with him and Wardlow. Now it's very subtle, which I like. You know, just Griff bringing it up. It's like that's still just a little fucking dash of, of loss on his record. And that's going to drive him crazy. But I think MJF's one of the best heels in the business, Chris. Yeah, I would say right now it's he's hard he's hard he's going to be hard to beat as being pinned as, at least in America as the best deal in the business. Um, I liked this; it was just a great little squash match. Obviously, still builds that tension between him and Wardlow. It was uh, it's weird that he called him Jungle Man unless they're teasing something in the future with MJF and Jungle Boy again, which possibly I guess. Yeah, they do have a good rivalry. I just so, want to see him more on the mic and not in the fucking audience. Like, put him on the mic even if he's in the audience or doesn't have anything to do. To uh, MJF? Yeah. Like, I think it was last week he didn't say a damn thing. He was just causing shit in the audience, and he had, like, a little bit of camera time, and that was it. Yeah, I kind of like it better when he doesn't show up at all and then cuts promos on why he's not there. Me too. I way <laughs> rather that. As, like, hill vignettes. Uh, but yeah, him being in the audience, it was fun for the first few weeks where he was doing the gambling thing. And now it's just kind of, it's kind of ran its course. Yep. All right. So we had a backstage segment. Uh, Britt Breaker wanted to talk about her surgery and being a role model. So Tony was in the back and talking to Reba or rebel. He couldn't figure it out. And she was about to find or like say what her actual name was. And then you hear Reba, Britt Baker's calling to both them takes her in the back she just got um surgery because she actually because the nose uh the break that she got beforehand from Hikaru Shida, uh which was an accident i think caused some type of like probably what i deal with deviate septum style shit so she probably had the surgery already locked down for a while so she went ahead and did it and acted like i guess the uh the incident where big swole uh threw the pencil at her or whatever and acted like that broke her fucking nose but she's just bitching in the back she talks about her fragile, fractured nose being taken advantage of. Uh, Reba flips it and puts rule number four, never count out a role model on like the little uh, paper thing. She calls this temporary, and she sets up for her biggest comeback of all time. She compares herself to Michael Jordan at one point. Uh, Tony interrupts her, but he gets shut down. Um, Britt tells them both to shut the hell up and suck it up. She calls herself, like I said, Michael Jordan and says not to count her out. Um, it brings up when he came back to the Washington Wizards. It was ridiculous. And so don't count her out, uh, particularly at all out. So it looks like they're, you know, we'd hear from Big Swole later on in the night, her talking shit uh, during the Evil East match. Um, so they're going to be going against each other at all in. But, uh, you know, it's it's amazing. to For being injured, Britt Baker's done a good job keeping herself relevant throughout it. 
And I have to think that Rebel and also Tony Schiavone have a lot to do with that, that camaraderie between the three of them. Yeah, Tony and Britt together in general and, and adding, adding in Rebel has kind of kept her relevant. And them die, deciding to just add these surgeries in as part of the gimmick and have her something to do while being injured is very Paul Heyman ECW. They Smart. like with Stone Cold. Okay, well, you can't wrestle. Can you just come cut promos? Sure. Why the hell not? Right. So I think they've done a great job of that overall. And yeah, the, the, the shit where she's talking about a comeback and like Michael Jordan's comeback and then just ties it when he came out of retirement for the Washington Wizards. That's, that's pretty great. It was a very not the not the comeback out of retirement that people think of with Michael Jordan, for sure. No, not at all. Oh, God, I, I love it. I think she's hilarious. You know, I it, it's just so weird how awkward she was as a babyface and how she's taken off and become quite a damn good heel. So now she's a full package, man. I mean, she was already a good wrestler, and she's gotten better, especially being on TV and getting over that fear and having people around her that are intelligent with wrestling. But her switching from babyface to heel did not think it was going to work, and it's worked really well for her. Yeah, I think the first time we realized it was going to work was on that cruise ship with Tony Schiavone. Or that's when I realized it was going to work. I was like, oh, if they're going to do this thing with Tony Schiavone, they have something here. And they can build off that. And they have done a great job. And there's no reason to ever really separate her or Tony Schiavone until she becomes babyface. And even then, they can still play off one another. So um, that's just kind of a great relationship that could go throughout her entire career if they wanted to. I think people would, would always enjoy that. doesn't have to be all the time, but you could even pepper it. Even if she one day becomes a baby face, you could just pepper that back in if needed. So it's kind of great. Oh, yeah. I want I want an interaction. I think it's Lois is the name of Tony's wife. I want her to show up and be like, who the hell do you think you are, Missy? You know, and do a segment like that. I think that'd be fucking hilarious. No, don't tell Tony you're going to do it so he gets all freaked out. <laughs> Every time they bring it up on commentary or one of those podcasts Tony's on, it's always it's always really, really funny. So I would love to see that. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So uh, Brian Cage music hits and comes uh, Taz first. Cage follows wearing the FTW title that he shouldn't have anymore. Um, Shut the music, uh, Taz says. Says he and Cage had a lot of heated discussion. Cage was pretty close to firing him. Like I'm saying, like he's 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 paying the picture that wasn't painted the week prior. Cooler heads prevailed. He explained why he tossed the towel in and cost him the title. He realized that the longer Moxley had that legit armbar on the surgical uh, repaired bicep, the worse was going to get um, for Cage. Uh, Taz would be damned if that was a torn a second time taz has torn his twice he stands behind what he did as a business decision because he can assure that any other wrestler in the world that cage will never be in that position ever never ever again cage would never tap didn't tap he's not wired to tap that's why uh he's still the ftw champion because he was he has the ftw mindset no surrender no quit so not too bad by Taz. Obviously, he's money on the mic. And then we had Darby Allen come out. He's here. He wants some cage. 
his music hits. He's he's on his way with his uh, skateboard. Then Ricky Starks, who they've been kind of peppering this in on AEW Dark. You, you know, Taz had his increased interest in Ricky Starks the last like two or three weeks. I'm telling you, one of the things that they don't do right is sometimes they have big marquee matches. Like Darby Allen's return to wrestling was on fucking Dark this last week. If you if you're gonna do that, advertise Dark more. So your viewership that you don't have on on YouTube is going to be capitalized by the amount from the television show because they want to watch it, especially if you're going to put storylines and do little details like this. So I'm sure a lot of people were like, why the fuck is Ricky Starks coming out? Um, and I think he helped out Darby Allen the last time on uh, AEW Dark, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, he attacks him from behind. Him and Cage are beating the crap out of him. Cage powerbombs him on the fucking ramp, picks his ass up Brock Lesnar style, and just launches his ass in the ring. Um, and then Starks uh, goes, gets himself in, you know, go, go grabs a skateboard and is about to clobber him with it. Moxley comes out through the audience with a barbed wire bat, saves Darby, and like I said, they just announced that they're going to have a tag team match next week, which should be awesome. With Ricky Starks and Brian Cage against Darby Allen and John Moxley, so that should be fun. Um, so I liked some of the areas in this. Actually, I liked this whole segment. I just didn't like how I don't think the audience knew anything about any type of detail with Taz acquiring Ricky Stark because I don't think a lot of the mainstream audience that watches it watches AEW Dark, and if they're gonna have this. I wish that they would promote it more on their television show, put out commercials and shit. Hey, we have a second show. Did you know that? It's on YouTube for free. Check it out. Stuff like that. I don't know. But Taz promo was good. What would you think, Chris? Same thing. The Taz promo I thought was pretty good. They they good, They good. did a good tease. I think it maybe is a little too much too early for me to go down the route of any kind of dissension between Cage and Taz. So... I mean, they could have just done a referee stoppage, right? Yeah, I mean, they could have. As opposed to having Taz throw in the towel, they could have had the referee stop the match, and then they could have just all been pissed at the referee. (laughs) That could have made sense, too. Um, But anyways, this is the route they went to go. I thought Taz had a good promo. He did a good job of explaining some of the, the deficiencies from the previous week. Um, the Starks thing I had no idea about because I hadn't watched AEW Dark, so I didn't get why he was coming out. Um, so I was one of these fans, and, I, and like you said, and we've talked about this in the show, and they go through phases where they do it really well, and then they just, like, everyone complained about it, including, like, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, and then they started paying more attention to it, and then no one complained about it, and now it, it seems like they're maybe falling back into that bad habit of not necessarily promoting um, dark side or, or, uh, or not dark side, but AEW dark or showing highlights from AEW dark that may play into their storylines down the road. So from that standpoint, it was kind of, kind of crappy, but I did like the cage, uh, the big cage spot you talked about where he kind of had like a Lesnar feel to him. And it made sense that Moxley would come back out to return the favor. Um, yeah. So overall, I thought the segment was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. All right, so we haven't – it's it's going to be this summer, <laughs> even though we're in the middle of July. 
But AEW is going to have a women's tag team tournament. I, f- I think I want to say it was eight tag teams. So the only tag team I can think of that they have is Allie and Brandy. They definitely need more tag teams than that. But at the same way, since we've kind of said that, you know, looking at the WWE and how they treat their women's tag division, they just don't have enough women even accumulated through all three fucking products to stack up tag teams to be able to defend this title. And obviously on the main rosters, they don't give a shit about tag team wrestling in general. But you look at AEW, I like the idea of a tournament, and they could do this yearly, of, of getting the ladies, you know, all two-on-two-on-two, on two, very much like the Dusty uh, the Dusty Classic on and NXT, which obviously they get a, t- uh, uh, a title chain, or title, um, a they, they can go for the title afterwards uh, if you win the Dusty Classic. But um, with this, they're going to get a trophy, so it's kind of like, not the G1, but it, it's, it's still prestigious, and you don't have to have an actual women's tag division or try to have belts if you don't have enough women to be able to satisfy that said tag division, since you want to still have a singles women's tag or uh, singles division. So I actually kind of like this idea for a tournament. Um, I'm assuming Ivelisse and um, I can't remember the girl that she went against, and we'll talk about it. They've been on tag teams together, so I think that might be another one. Uh, and we'll see how they throw all the other ones peppered in. But I'm actually down for this. Like I said, if this keeps them from trying to force a tag division without having enough females to be able to satisfy that, that, that women's tag division, and they have a tournament yearly that they make a big thing, I could be down for this. What do you think, Chris? I think it could be very cool, especially if they're able to bring in some of the Japanese talent they've had in the past, like a, a weird tag team, like maybe something like Emi Sakura with Rio. And maybe yeah. that's a way to introduce Rio back. And I, I think there's some other tag teams you can build. Depending on when this happens, you could do uh, Britt Baker and, and Rebel as a tag yeah. team. Like there's some fun things you can do there. And at the end of the day, you're not forcing tag belts on a show. And it gives you, it can give some of your female talent that's not on the main products every week um, some exposure. And maybe you can build a star out of it. So. I like that idea a lot, and uh, you know, if anything, it's not going to take anything away from the product. I would think, you know, um, what I don't want is for the whole thing to be on AEW Dark except for the finals, because Ugh. I think then then it's counterintuitive uh, to what you would actually be trying to accomplish. But outside of that, I think it's a cool idea, and I'm totally down for it. Like I said, I, especially if they're able to bring in people like B Priestley or some of the other stardom. Uh, wrestlers they've had on in the past there's a lot of really cool tag teams you can build out of that and have some really great matches yeah i agree man and uh definitely down for that um we'll probably have some really awesome matches and it's going to be fun to see which you know which women tag together so all those elements sound good to me that's the right way to do it wwe i didn't mean to rhyme anyways so backstage, Jericho is with, uh, you know, the rest of the inner circle. Um, he's cut on the same $7,000 uh, suit that's covered in orange uh, uh, orange juice. <laughs> God damn it. I, I just love all of his crap. Uh, so it was ruined because of Cassidy, and now he will ruin his career. He will embarrass him. Tonight, the inner circle is going against Jurassic Express. Stunt uh, called him an idiot. What makes Jericho laugh is Stunt's uh, bulbous head and the fact that Lucha isn't really a dinosaur. 
no, kids, he's not a dinosaur. Sorry about that. Tonight, they will make him extinct. And <laughs> Jericho uh, smells his jacket a little bit and asks Ortiz if it stinks. And he's like, yeah, man, it still stinks. It's like, damn it! And he walks off, and, he, and Ortiz is like, what? What, did you not want me to tell him? Or maybe it was Santana, but either way, the camaraderie, you know, Jericho's having a great time uh, with everyone besides Sebastian Bach, but he's a dickhead, so shit happens. But he's having a great time on this, uh, and I thought this was a funny-ass segment to build for the ending, uh, the uh, the main event, Chris. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought this was a fun way to get to the end. Um, the jacket was hilarious. I had the feeling they were going to tie something back to last week, and this was a good way to do it. Uh, <laughs> I think you, I think you put it right. It seems like the camaraderie that they have between that group is very earnest, and it plays into all these comedy sketches. And that Sebastian Bach shit is just weird. Like, yeah, it's real I weird. I don't know if Sebastian Bach is drinking a lot, <laughs> but he should probably calm down. Um, <laughs> he wants to fight him, Chris. Sebastian Bach left Skid Row in like 1993. So anything he has done since that, I'm completely fucking unaware of. Uh, he was on that unsuccessful, um, I think it was VH1 or MTV had a show where they try to force a band with him, Ted Nugent, uh, Jason Bonham and a couple other people. And it was just, he got wasted and act like a fucking idiot the whole entire time. Yeah. And everyone on the show bitched out by Ted Nugent. Yeah, like everyone on the show hated him. There is that great scene where he's yelling the word fist because he wants the band to be called Fist. <laughs> and Scott Ian's just like, the fuck is going on? That was such a weird-ass show. Uh, yeah. Biohazard's bassist, the guy who's married to... Uh, what's that porn star's name? We're not going to talk about porn stars on the show. Never mind. It's um, not like we've ever done that before, right, Chris? Not that, not that the people have heard. <laughs> Shush. Shush. <laughs> All right, so we had a Falls Count Anywhere match with the Young Bucks and the Butcher and the Blade. And so it starts in the back. And this match was also fucking apeshit bananas. It's crazy. Um, I thought it helped out the Butcher and the Blade, even though it starts off with the Young Bucks looking through Daly's place, and then they go outside to the main arena, and they go into the kitchen of this place, and there they are just chopping up meat in the kitchen. I mean, I understand they're called the Butcher and the Blade, but why the fuck in any type of real type of world situation would they be doing that? Whatever. They start a huge fucking fight. Um, I like that the Butcher and Blade had time to wash their hands before starting the fight. They made sure that they did that. But this thing goes every fucking where. You know, they're, they're smashing them against things. And, you know, I think the biggest spot was towards the end, obviously. They go through the whole entire place around the stadium. They get into Daly's place, and then they get up into the ring, and they're beating the crap out of each other there. And then they set up – no, I, I think the tables are already there for something else, for some other purpose, or maybe they set them up. They set up two tables on the ramp and jumped off the fucking entranceways on both sides. You have Matt on one side – on the left side doing a leg drop, kind of Matt Hardy-ish, if you will. And then you have on the left side Nick Jackson doing a swanton fucking bomb off the top of these through the table, through both guys. Young Bucks are awesome. They pinned him one, two, three, got the win. 
And I thought it, like I said, I thought it made the Butcher and the Blade look better because they had this really physical, intense match. No, they didn't win. But it doesn't, I think they've they've added value to them in a very weird roundabout way, but somewhat throughout the last couple of weeks, and I think this definitely helped them out of looking like a legit, good heel uh, team. And Matt and Nick Jackson proved that they are crazy as fucking shit with some of the stuff that they decided to do. And at one part, Matt definitely busted his nose open and looked like he broke his nose. How'd you like this, Chris? Hold on one second. This ad won't stop. Tell that ad to shut up. Um, I thought uh, I thought this I thought this match was very uh, very good for the most part. Some of it was just there, but the finish itself made up for some of the slower parts. Like you said, the crazy spots they had at the end uh, were fucking incredible, and they've done a good job, I think, of keeping the butcher and blade intriguing but they need some wins and yep. i don't know i don't know how you accomplish this to keep them relevant unless you're gonna have them beat someone like jungle boy and luchasaurus or scu or lax um, but maybe you need to sacrifice some of those tag teams you're pushing in different manners to help keep the butcher and the blade tied into this feud where people care about it yeah but either way, did you see a fucking rad table spot, man? Woo! She was cool. <laughs> the table, the whole ending of that match was pretty fucking rad. <laughs> Just nuts. All right, so backstage, um, Archer and Jake the Snake are getting questioned about their their path by Alex Marvez. So of course, and I'm glad they did this. Archer grabs his ass and goes, "Oh, really?" You want to see me? And you have Jake the Snake Roberts narrating to Alex Marvez off camera in this locker room of how pissed off and how basically underutilized that they've been lately and how people need to take uh, Lance Archer seriously. And honestly, since his loss to Cody, I thought his stock has gone down a bit. This raised it back up definitely a little bit because he, he ripped through five fucking dudes, all of them small as shit, grabs the last guy after annihilating everyone else with kicks and punches, Kicks him in the face, grabs him off the ground, throws him through the fucking ceiling, grabs his ass, throws him into a trash can, and grabs him again and actually puts him, dunks him in the fucking trash can head first. Just the just the visual of seeing this dude while Jake's talking about how like all the sinister things he's gonna do to the roster of AEW, he just tossed him through a fucking ceiling panel and <laughs> just ragdolls this little guy. I thought it was awesome and uh, I enjoyed it. This is uh, the this is the best thing. They've done with Jake and Lance in a minute in AEW, I would say. What do you think, Chris? I have to agree with you. It's been a while since it actually seems like uh, Lance Archer was the murder hawk, but uh, <laughs> this was a this was a definitely good spot for it. Yeah, I love this man. Uh, afterwards, we had a pretty damn good match. We had uh, Diamante, who has been mostly on AEW Dark. And I think she had a losing streak, if I'm not 100% sure, from Cuba. And she's gone going against her longtime opponent and also tag partner, Ivelisse, from Puerto Rico. I'm a huge fan of Ivelisse because of, of uh, what you call it, Lucha Underground. And I heard she's, you know, you, you have to hear the catty fucking after talk of what goes in the goddamn locker room. But apparently she's hard to deal with in locker rooms. 
like Tessa. They're both evil, apparently. I don't fucking know. Anyways, these ladies had a good match. They beat the shit out of each other. Um, JR gave them a lot of props at the end of it. And they're both extremely tough. Ivelisse kind of got in her head about, you know, she had the better of, of uh, Diamante for most of the damn match. And at the end, she wasn't really, you know, uh, she wasn't paying attention and ended up, she hit the rope and Diamante uh, came right behind her inside cradle. One, two, three, she wins. I don't think we're going to see the last of this feud. I'm hoping Ivelisse is now with the company because I think that she's good. She reminds me, like a lot of people, because of her red hair in a lot of ways. And also, I mean, the fact that she does, she used to be in MMA or she at least practiced it. So she has that aspect to her. But she does like, and she didn't even show it in this, a lot of high-flying stuff. She reminds me of Lita a lot. But um, I hope we get to see more of Ivelisse and... This feud, and I'm assuming this might be the tag team um, or one of them in that competition. But how'd you like this match, Chris? You know, going in, I didn't know a whole lot about either of these performers, but I thought it was a pretty good match. Um, the finish just, I don't know, the finish just seemed very, very weird, like it was rushed or something. It didn't come out. It, like it, yeah. I don't know. That, that was the only part that was kind of offsetting. I think maybe they ran out of time or it was just rushed. Otherwise, I thought this could have been a little better. Um, it, I mean, it was mostly a brawl outside of that one big powerbomb spot. But then the finish was just like fucking out of nowhere. Yeah, I think maybe because they were definitely trying to go for Ivelisse was too overconfident with herself. And then she obviously slipped up. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't make it look as graceful at the end. Or maybe they did run out of time. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's hard to tell because they don't always go picture in picture for every one of these. So some of these matches do have like a hard set time limit similar to WWE. So I don't know if they just had to rush to the finish or what. That's a good point. Uh, next match I thought was really good, too. Uh, we had uh, Alan Angels from Southern Honor Wrestling, uh, the big heel there. Uh, he's now five in the Dark Order. Not too thrilled about that, honestly. Uh, but hey, man, I'm happy that he's got a job. He's signed to AEW. That's pretty fucking awesome. Uh, but he went against Hangman Adam Page, and just like Kenny Omega, gave Allen Angels a lot of offense. Uh, for anyone that's not familiar with him, especially if you don't live in Georgia like me, uh, Allen Angels, he comes off like, I'm assuming he has to be a fucking Christopher Daniels mark. Because his look is very much like the Fallen Angel. And the fact that his last name Angels, uh, it's just there. But he's also got the bravado, like, when he's on the mic of, like, an Adam Cole. Like, might not be as good as Adam Cole is now, because Adam Cole's one of the best guys. But he's a good fucking heel. And I just, I don't get the Dark Order that much. I like Brody Lee a lot. I like this whole Vince McMahon thing that he's doing. But at the same time, it's like, eh, at the same, you know... And I know a lot of people, because they don't know Alan Angels, uh, they, they probably thought that he got way too much offense in. But I thought he had a good match with Adam Page once all the the other Fallen Order uh, or Dark Order members came out and started watching. He kind of started slipping up, and then Adam Page obviously got him towards the end. Um, and then the Dark Order was coming to the ring. Brody Lee came out. He wanted to talk one-on-one with uh, John Moxley and offer, or not John Moxley, uh, Hangman Page and offer him a chance to join the Dark Order. And Hangman Page is like, sorry, man, 
not really into cults. And Brody just got pissed off. He took Colt Cabana, who was with him, took him backstage, and then all all five of the members that were there uh, started attacking him. FTR comes out. They have their back. They have a cooler, uh, a styrofoam cooler with, like, some beers in it. They throw it at one of the guys. It fucking just smashes, goes into a million pieces. Ice cubes and beer cans hit everyone that's over there. It was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, and then right at the end of it, when the Dark Order is, like, you know, collecting themselves and getting the hell out of there, Kenny Omega shows up. And you have that part where FTR is like, yeah, we had his back and you didn't sort of thing. They didn't say that, but that's kind of like, you know, the position they made us feel as as uh, viewers. And Adam Page looks at Kenny, you know, and he's like, whatever, man, it's not a big deal. FTR offers him a beer. He starts drinking the beer with them. He's like, yeah, man, I really needed that. Like, And so you have this situation we've already talked about where FTR and Adam Page is getting friendly. And Kenny's kind of like going off the deep end. And they're keeping with that storyline. And next week we'll get the Dark Order. Uh, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno going against Kenny Omega and Adam Page for the titles. So how'd you like the match? How'd you like the segment afterwards uh, with Kenny's lack of coming to his, his tag partner's aid immediately and, and losing to the revival? I like the buildup of Kenny Omega maybe further descending into crazy Kenny Omega because I actually liked that from last week's show. Uh, the match itself I thought was pretty decent as far as what it, what would be considered, I guess, a squash match, even though it really wasn't. But, um, yeah, it was a good good match that helped build a storyline, I guess, to set up this tag match. It's just weird that this is a title tag. Has Evil Uno and Stu Grayson won a bunch of matches on Dark that I'm unaware of? No, man, that's one thing. It's like sometimes it's like why have a one fucking loss record if you guys aren't going to pay attention to it sometimes? Yeah, especially when they put over the fact that Omega and Page are undefeated. So it's like they shouldn't have to fight anyone unless it's just for shits and giggles. Now, you could just do Evil Uno versus Stu Grayson non-title, but I don't understand why it has to be for the tag my titles unless there's going to be some... I don't know. Maybe that's a... a thing. You have to assume there's not going to be a title change just because booking-wise it wouldn't make any sense. So it kind of just takes away from the match a little bit other than just seeing... More follow-up to FTR in the Elite, I guess. Yeah. I just I like the storyline, man. I like what they're peppering in. I, I like this progression. I don't know. It's 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 fun and interesting of what direction they're going to go in. Um, But, yeah, I guess let's move on to the last match. Main event, Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus with Marco Stunt in their corner going against the inner circle, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager with LAX, uh, Ortiz and Santana in their corner. And I thought this was a good match. Um, there's a couple things I had a problem with, but I want to put over some of the things that I liked. I love the face off between Jake Hager and Luchasaurus, especially when Luchasaurus broke up and started doing martial arts and fucking strikes to Jake Hager. Um, I really like Jungle Boy as a wrestler. I, like I keep on saying, I think week to week he gets better and better. Um, Chris Jericho, you know, he he can still take an ass kicking really well and also still become like – I love that Chris Jericho can go from being uh, a chicken shit heel to being a very, like, guy that you wouldn't want to fuck with like that very much uh, in his matches. 
and he puts over these guys so well and sells for them. I just don't understand the point of having interference with the babyface tag team. Uh, the first time that it happens with with Marco Stunt, you know, Aubrey's whatever's happening, uh, she she's distracted, and Marco goes off the fucking top ropes and is a hurricane run to Jericho. It's not that Marco's doing it. It's why isn't LAX fucking going over and fucking him up afterwards directly seeing that or actually being the ones that cause a distraction so that Chris Jericho can take advantage of something since they're fucking heels. And then later on, LAX gets on the goddamn side of the ring and they're causing a distraction to Aubrey Edwards that causes Marco Stunt once again to interfere in the fucking match. Although they kind of would redeem it at the end where Serpento or Serpentico, that's right, the luchador that's on AEW Dark, who I really like, comes over the the railing with a bat and smacks Luchasaurus in the back with it and causes the inevitable, you know, loss for Jurassic Express. Inner Circle gets the win, and then uh, Serpentico takes off his mask. And it's the returning Sammy Guevara! The Spanish God is back. Him and Chris Jericho embrace, and all of them celebrate, basically. One thing that a lot of people didn't notice, because it was on picture-in-picture, they made it a, a, a point to go into the audience and show that Matt Hardy was watching the match for some reason. So that's interesting. I kind of suggested that after Orange Cassidy and Jericho that him and Matt might have a proper feud. So maybe they're still doing that. Or maybe he was there because Sammy Guevara was there so they could finish their feud. Not 100% sure. Like I said, I liked a lot of the spots in the match. Um, I thought they didn't do a bunch of crazy shit. They did a lot of good stuff. It just doesn't make sense, though, when the baby faces are cheating and the heels are are distracting. Like, it's, it's that type of stuff drives me bonkers. But, Chris, what do you think about this last match, and how do you like having the Spanish God, Sammy Guevara, back? I'm super stoked to have Sammy Guevara back and to see the end of this Matt Hardy-Sammy Guevara feud and whatever they're going to do with Matt Hardy after that, because we've kind of been waiting for that. Um, I do like... The match itself okay i had some of the same problems you had with it but i kind of wrote them off just as being well the way they present inner circle most of the time is that they're kind of bumbling idiots i know they're like supposed to be legitimate badass heels but they also present them as comedy characters so some of them getting their ass kicked in this manner it's it's not too crazy but it, it's weird you kind of have to choose one thing and roll with it and they, they tend to do a bad job at that so i had some of the same problems you had but overall i mean the in-ring work and everything i thought was pretty good and i like the outcome of the match with uh sammy guevara coming back and i guess we'll see where it, where where it goes from here obviously but i'm assuming something to do with matt hardy like you said because they did did happen to show him looking on so he knew he knows something's up his his uh his spider senses were tingling so afterwards this would end with orange cassidy uh coming out walking slowly (laughs) i love i love no sense of urgency and then the best friends both sides of them just run out to the ring chase off the inner circle and next week we're getting the inner circle versus the best friends orange cassidy and uh luchasaurus and um whatchamacallit uh jungle boy i believe in a tag match so that should be a clusterfuck but Whatever, we'll, we'll we'll have some fun moments in there, I'm sure. Jungle Boy and, and Sammy Guevara, 
or Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, you know, a lot of that type of stuff. So I'm glad Sammy's back. I know people still want his head on a fucking pole, but, you know, fuck him. I don't really know what to do. He's been, you know, Tony Khan went at length to stick up for Sammy that he did a lot of fucking work during his time off. And he's been at extensive, you know, um, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, the thing I have so, the since, uh, sensitivity training isn't didn't they send him to sensitivity training for those yeah. comments after for his a, apology? For a month and a half after his apology and after him getting in contact with um, with Sasha Banks and having a conversation with her, uh, and also the Women's Center of Jacksonville put out a very nice statement about how his terrible uh, situation has turned into a positive uh, because they've worked with Sammy. So he, he had this huge press release about this. Um, my personal opinion on it, and you don't have to like my opinion or, or whatever, the fact that, as of right now, <laughs> Jimmy Havoc still has a job with AEW, what, from what the fuck he was accused of. The fact that, I'm sorry, but Justin Roberts has been accused of some really heinous shit, very similar to what Austin Theory and Velveteen Dream were accused of, and he's still an announcer. And he said something really fucking stupid when he was younger. And he's already fucking young. You know, I know that people still want his head on a fucking pole. And that's whatever. Go on Twitter and bitch on it because that's what a lot of y'all do anyways. But I think that he meant that he was sorry. He fucking tried everything. He said something stupid. And now allow the man to redeem himself because I like Sammy as a wrestler a lot. And compared to some of the motherfuckers on that list. To me, he said he did something much more minor. Now, the concept of what he said was terrible, but if he didn't do what he did and try to change his ways and go to sensitivity training and didn't take a pay cut for the last month and try to talk to Sasha and address the issue immediately and stuff like that, you know, compared to what a lot of these people that are far left, and that, that's fine. But a lot of them probably thought that fucking Joey Ryan was a social justice warrior, always pitching at Jim Jim uh, Cornette, and now we found out about him. So maybe try to think about your judge of character for a second, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, that's how I felt, Chris. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, if the person has done the crime, apologized, has taken a month and a half worth of his pay being donated to, you know, this different foundation and has apologized to the person that he would have offended in the first place. And it has been given for been forgiven by that person. While you don't necessarily ever have to like him again, at some point you do kind of have to just move forward and realize that, you know, this is where we're at. I don't think he's going to be going away anytime soon. So, I mean, you can continue to despise Sammy Guevara all you like. If that's, if that's where you're at in life, I just, you know, at some point you have to give people the benefit of the doubt this the entire u.s justice system is to accept a punishment right and then hopefully it will reform you now whether that works or not is a different question but i feel like everyone's entitled to their opinion on that my opinion is aw i think handled the situation very well and for sammy to be back now after a month and a half and the sensitivity training the donation of pay and making a public apology that was accepted I feel like it's kind of just time to move on. I agree. I do agree. All right. Well, 
Um, now that we're talking about AEW, let's talk about their rival, the evil NXT. Both companies are evil because they're giving us good wrestling. Wait, so Raw and SmackDown are evil. Oh, yeah, that's right. Never mind. All right, so we opened with William Regal at home saying that Keith Lee had an announcement. Chris, you were right. Keith, well, actually, it, you weren't because it wasn't Regal's idea to strip Keith Lee. Keith Lee wanted to give up the North American Championship and there will be basically, with this week, four more weeks afterwards, so five sets of three ways to find out who's going to be the, the five people in a ladder match to determine the new North American champion. So this will be very similar to the tag match that started off the North American championship. I definitely like that. Uh, we'd have first match, a part of that, uh, tonight, and we'll talk about that when it gets to it. But um, not so we also announce that uh, takeover will be on August 22. So, and that's, and that's when we'll crown the new North American champion, but I kind of liked your way of doing it where Regal forces it off of him because he doesn't need it. But I mean, it's Keith Lee. So he has this humble type of demeanor towards him. So it kind of made sense in a lot of ways that he would try to drop this title. What'd you think about their decision? And, you know, the first three was great. We're going to get more of those. And then we're going to have a, a ladder match very similar to the first ladder match that will match for the North American Championship. Are you looking forward to that on TakeOver on August 22nd? Uh, I'm looking forward to the ladder match itself. I'm not stoked on it being a five-way ladder match, and I'm not stoked on a bunch of three-way matches just because they kind of give inconclusive results to get to those number one contenders. No, that but, makes sense. But I did like that Keith Lee just came out and was like, hey, it's time for me to pass this on to someone else. I already have the top title, so this doesn't mean anything to me right now. <laughs> Essentially is what he said. Basically. All right, so then we had a match with Dexter Loomis and Killian Dane. Killian wanted his uh, throat after Dexter made some drawings, and they're really like going into this like he's a tragic artist. Don't like that fucking sum up for Dexter Loomis. Uh, they're both, um, both, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Morinello and, uh, Beth Phoenix were saying that type of stuff. Or maybe it was Todd Phillips who was saying it along with, uh, Beth Phoenix. But don't, we don't have to mention that he's a fucking artist. Like, you know, he's a serial killer that does, like, weird artsy things. Anyways, I will say that I like this match. Killian Dane got the better of Dexter a lot, but Dexter was able to show off a lot more of his arsenal. The whole doing the the being on his his uh, his stomach and using his hands and moving around. First person I saw do this was Jake the Snake Roberts back in the day, and he didn't do it all the damn time. And Tamatanga was the one as of recent that used it the most in the ring to enter the ring and exit the ring and stuff like that. Velveteen Dream did it a lot. So Dexter actually kind of just moves like that to freak people out. I don't know if I like that. But that little part where he got thrown in the stairs and he fucking jumped over it, like just leaped over it, like that was cool. And the senton bomb that he did that looked stiff as shit to Killian Dane later on was awesome. Uh, so I thought this actually was probably the best Dexter match they've shown lately because they usually make him just do one thing. But it ended like normally with him choking out Killian Dane, adding pressure until Killian just completely uh, was knocked out. Uh, he got a really rad spine buster before that um, on Killian. Uh, but yeah, I thought Loomis looked really good in this. And 
any type of way where a person gets will not fucking tap out obviously is better than if they do tap out. So there is that for Killian, but I kind of wish that they would treat Killian Dane for what he is, and that's kind of like Damo is, is very much a modern Vader if they were to push him like that, but they just don't just – I he, he's more enhancement, if anything, at this point. But uh, good match, good win over an, an opponent like Killian Dane. Uh, what did you think about this match, Chris? It was it was as Big E say, big man slapping meat. <laughs> Two big guys slapping meat. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty decent. There was that. I like uh, you know, Dane being more aggressive and throwing Loomis into the plexiglass a couple of times, and like the like you said, that very stiff um, senton that he pulled. Overall, I mean, I thought this was like a pretty decent opening match and one of the better, like you said, Dexter Loomis matches, just because they let him do more. And maybe they are going to break him out of the Undertaker very stiff movement in the ring to play into his character. I don't think he necessarily needs it. And that, that's been my one downside about Dexter Loomis and the matches he's had is they are they have forced him to wrestle a very specific style just because of the gimmick. But, uh, yeah, yep. I mean, I, I think this match exceeded what my expectations of it was going in. So that's good. Yep. Um so in the back, Roderick Strong is interviewed about his match tonight. He'll be going against Johnny Gargano and Bronson Reed uh, for a qualifying match for the North American title. Strong says it means that the undisputer can get back on top. Bronson Reed interrupts to say that he's had a ton of shots in the past and lead to this to open up chances for guys like him. Gargano interrupts to say that he's the face of the brand and he'll win. Uh, it all to make history as a two-time North American champ. Um, decent setup. Uh, I thought the three of them were going to have an awesome match. We'll get to that, though. Uh, did you have any comments about this interview beforehand, Chris? No, I thought it was just a good setup to the match. I don't necessarily see any of these guys winning the North American championship, but we, we can talk about that a little bit later as we get closer to it. Yep. Um, I have to say though, that, so we also had Dakota Kai, uh, talking about Io Shirai and her, you know, kicking her in the face. They showed that kick that had so much contact in slow motion, like five or six fucking times from different <laughs> angles. Like obviously in wrestling, you don't, mean to do something like that but you have a situation where you're like we're on stage kick her in the face you know shit happens she definitely contacted and knocked eo the fuck out well not didn't knock her out but probably knocked her for a little bit of a loop but uh looking forward to dakota kai and eo shirai man for for the title that should be fun yeah and if i was eo and i took that stiff ass kick i'd be like yeah show that as many times as possible because i don't want to take any of those again so or give her a receipt yeah get get as much out of that as you can i mean if it happens you might as well try to get as much out of it as you can similar to uh what they did with naya and becky right so i mean fuck it happened everyone already bitched about it last week you might or you know whenever it happened you might as well show it as much as possible try to get it over all right so i mean this was a fun squash match but it's more about the entrance than any, anything else. So we have Everrise come out to the ring. And, you know, they're the new map. Uh, they're from Montreal. Uh, they're they're very much wanting to be like the new Quebecers. Uh, and, <laughs> God 
damn it. Brazongo come out to the old Mounties uh, theme music with a Canadian backdrop that looks absolutely ridiculous, both dressed as the fucking Mountie. And I'm laughing. I popped when I first fucking saw this. They they go down to the ring, and while they're doing this, I think Beth Phoenix was just making this up off the top of her ass. She was like, she was like, I was talking to Brazongo beforehand, and they were telling me that you know there is a case uh, with with people just not treating beavers right over in Canada, and it's it's you know that they said that every beaver should be treated with passion and with lots of love, and I just didn't realize they were animal guys, and like Todd Phillips was like, uh. Yeah, that's that's great, Beth. And Marlon Allen follows up with like saying, uh, they must be eager beavers. And she's like, I'll be damned. And Todd Phillips is like, I don't know what the fuck to say. I'm supposed to be the straight guy right now. Like, that was one part of the camaraderie. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I will say, I think, I don't know if it's because of the fact that they're not there live and they're doing this and watching and then, you know, obviously doing their audio. But Marlon Allen has been a little more chill which is fucking great because when he goes off past 12, it just gets, you know, all those noises and shit. But I thought this was funny. I loved seeing them there. They beat the shit out of Ever Rise. Well, actually, Tyler Breeze had to sell a little while, but once Fandango got in there, it was uh, shortcomings and uh, double super kick, uh, and they got the win, uh, which is nice because they use a super kick to win, unlike... Most other people in NXT and also in AEW. But either way, double super kick fucking uh, to win. And uh, yeah, I liked, I, I liked the uh, – it wasn't about the match. I loved the entrance, though. That was hilarious. What did you think, Chris? Do you remember like a few weeks ago when Brazenga told us they were about to become more serious? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, since, they have just gotten way less fucking serious. <laughs> Oh my uh, god. The beaver the beaver commentary was pretty hilarious. Mario has dialed it back a little bit with the exception of the pay-per-view which yep. he was fucking over 9000 on. Uh but yeah, I I don't know. I like this as far as the squash match goes. It was very entertaining. Um and there was definitely some funny shit. Them dressed as the Mountie or the RCMP uh was was fucking hilarious and i guess you know brizango right now they're doing a good job of just being funny gatekeepers that can put on an entertaining match on your tv product yep yeah i would i would agree with you i do love the part at the end where todd phillips is trying to like bring the conversation and they just won and fucking fandango is literally stroking his pants where his crotch is and you can tell todd phillips is like i have no idea what the fuck i should say right now I thought it was hilarious. Uh, God, Fandango's great. So we had Aaliyah and Shotzi Blackheart. This got set up the week uh, before this. And, I mean, what did you guys think was going to happen? I mean, Aaliyah loses every fucking time. So, yeah, that happened, but it makes sense towards the storyline. It was less than five minutes. Uh, And afterwards, what basically happened is Shotzi took her tank and she ran out ran over robert stone's other leg and he's freaking out mercedes martinez came out with a big boot knocks Shotzi out of here uh we'd have an interview later on with Aaliyah trying to help out uh robert stone and basically mercedes comes out and tells him look i need someone to do 
to deal with the paperwork, to deal with matches and do all that shit. Uh, but if you fucking cross me, I'll kill you sort of thing. So Robert Stone now has Mercedes Martinez um, as a part of the brand. And it looks like it's probably going to set up, I'm hoping, a good match between Shotzi Blackheart and Mercedes Martinez. Man, say that five times fast. Uh, what do you think about all this, Chris? This is the best thing that could happen to the Robert Stone brand. <laughs> he, <did> finally, <laughs> he finally got someone that can be a part of this brand that, that would put up some actual contention you can give some wins to. So I liked the match. I thought it was pretty decent for what it was, being more of a, a squash very quick. Let's give Shotzi a win and have her run over Robert Stone with a tank again. But uh, the end of this was pretty great just because I want to see more of the Robert Stone brand. And if they don't do something with it soon, this poor guy will just end up not having anything to do whatsoever, which is terrifying because I think he's been a very entertaining part of their show for the past, I don't know, two months or so. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we had the, uh, NXC North American championship qualifying match, Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano, Roderick Strong. no offense in the Bronson Reed right off the bat. But I would love more of a one-on-one between Gargano and Strong. We haven't really gotten that much out of it. We did when they were both baby faces. But I'd like to see these two guys beat the shit out of each other because they're both way faster in concept. But obviously Gargano's biggest influence is Sean. He taught him a lot. Roderick's is, is Bret Hart. You can tell by his punches and his backbreakers and stuff like that. I just these guys work in the ring. They they they're awesome and. Uh, Bronson Reed looked really fucking good in this too, though, and he ended up winning, which was great. That powerbomb he took to the outside looked so gnarly and painful. Like, I would not, especially if I had that much weight behind me, I would not want to fucking take a powerbomb to the outside the way that he did. That looked awful, but, I mean, hey, I thought he might have been hurt. He got over it, he got in the ring afterwards, so obviously didn't fuck him up that badly. There was a part where that was awesome where... um, Johnny uh, got Bronson's arms like wrapped up in the ropes and stuff like that, and he's going to do something, and fucking Roderick Strong gets in the ring, gives him a backbreaker, and then starts doing his elbows and his punches while he's running down Bronson Reed, and then immediately after that gets thrown out, and then Johnny tries to steal a pin. Johnny was really good as that like little dipshit fucking heel that he's been doing. I just it's still not that believable. Uh, much more believable at Roddy, who was also a very similar babyface when they were both first starting. But Roddy, I just believe, is a heel because he can act like an asshole and because of the Undisputed Era. And Johnny, it just, it's whatever. It's its kind of vanilla. One of the other cooler parts is uh, you thought Bronson Reed was out. What does he do? He gives he gives uh, Johnny Gargano Scorpion Death Truck at the same time fucking takes Roderick Strong and Inziguri's him on top of Johnny. Um, I thought it, for three-way matches, and not all of them are going to be this good, these guys had a fucking awesome match. Uh, there was a Doomsday Device spot they did. You know, at certain parts, Johnny and Roddy would work together, being the smaller guy, and then that will go out the window real quick. So I thought they did a, a good job, and Roderick and fucking Johnny are taken out of the equation. You know, obviously... They've already had they both already had that title beforehand, so it makes sense. But I'm glad they're giving Bronson Reed a chance. You know, I, I think it was Jim Cornette that said that 
he's like he, he talked up Bronson Reed a lot and said that he could be because of his agility and his size and his intimidation look, he could be very much like a Bam Bam Bigelow if they pushed him right. And uh, like I said, the fact that he's an earthquake mark, always good with me. Uh, what do you think about this match, Chris? I going into it, I had I thought Bronson Reed had zero chance of getting the win, so they surprised me there. Uh, makes sense because they're putting in a big hoss in this ladder match. I thought the match itself was easily the best thing on the entire show. Um, they gave them a lot of time to work. It's like 20 minutes long, but uh, overall, I mean, there's hardly anything to complain about this match. It was great, um, and it was cool seeing Bronson Reed get the win. A little bit of a surprise. Don't think that that would have been the way I went, but. Uh, you know, interesting to say the least, and it is going to give a, add a, something a little different to this uh, ladder match when we've seen Gargano and and Roddy and so many of them. So to that extent, it's pretty cool. Now, I guess the question is, are Johnny Gargano and and Roderick Strong going to have a follow up match on this, or is this just like a one and done thing? I hope so. I would like another match between the two of them. Um, shit, give them a takeover match. Just like turn us into a grudge. I don't know how you do that with both of them being heels, but try to figure it out and pull it off. I mean, you just make Johnny Gargano a baby face again. <laughs> like the good Lord intended. <laughs> yeah. That's... Makes absolutely no sense. All right, we had a, uh, a another match with Oni Lorcan and Timothy Thatcher. And it was a good match, man. I know some people... It's so amazing how catch wrestling can be boring to modern wrestling fans, but whatever. Um, but I think the last match these guys had was awesome. This was kind of a, a bit sad, if you will, for Oni, because he lost pretty handily at the end last time to Timothy Thatcher. But this time he was getting the better of him. He was working his fucking, his left arm, kept on messing up his, 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 uh, his muscle and, and his shoulder and also his elbow. Just kept on working on his left arm. But at the end, Thatcher got him. He got him. Um, he he turned his submission into a pin and stole it, basically. So doesn't really give another reason for them to go at it again, which, you know, that's fine. I'm just wondering who Timothy's going to go against next. I know that they just got NXT UK started and obviously travel stuff restrictions there. But I'm thinking at some point, I just I, I sometimes I think that Timothy Thatcher would be better off going over to fucking NXT UK and having great matches with some of the guys over there because he's limited with his choices over here. Um, and just the fucking audience doesn't get it as well, I don't think. But I actually like this match. I like Oni Lorcan. I really like T- Timothy Thatcher. He's got this, I don't know, it's it's not Stone Cold-esque or Crispin Wallace, but it's on that same type of level of aggression. When he's coming to the ring, he looks like he's going to fuck someone up, and I appreciate it. And I like how he was getting his ass handed to him this time, and he figured out a win. You know, normally he's been dominant, and this this kind of showed a kink in, in his armor, so to speak. How'd you like this match, Chris? I thought it was very, very good, and a good follow-up to that amazing match we watched right beforehand. So some people are probably going to dislike this just because it did slow down the show a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was as good as last uh, the last match that they had. But... Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was still a very, very good, especially if you like catch wrestling, like you said. But, um, yeah, very interesting to give him the win that way, especially I don't because I don't see them continuing the feud. So, I don't know. I may, I might have just had Thatcher win strong again. 
maybe out of nowhere, like turning that, reversing the submission or something as opposed to a pin. But I mean, Thatcher also grabbed the tights on the pin. So it was very heel based. And that's usually a setup you would do if you're going to continue the feud. I don't know. It's strange. Definitely a situation I don't see going past this, but maybe there'll be reason for it. But if they go for a third match, Oni's got to get the fucking win, right? Yeah, and I think maybe you have to do a submission match or something. Like a stiff match. I guess you could do a best out of, uh, what, six or whatever? Or an Iron Man match or a stipulation match something. or something. Two out of three. Yeah, two out of three falls. There's there's tons of things you can do that would be intriguing. If you do a two out of three falls, it would be good for Oni to get like the second win and then finish it up in the third win. I think that would be a good way to go. Just so he gets something out of this other than just losing to Timothy Thatcher a lot. Yeah, definitely. All right, so uh, we had two segments. One was um, Isaiah Swerve Scott. And uh, basically just going over how music has influenced him his whole entire life. Uh, you know, music got him into dance, which got him into athletics, which got him into wrestling. Talked about how he did uh, Billy Jean back in middle school and did the whole entire dance routine. So that was interesting. Uh, more important, we had a black and white promo with Finn Balor. And he said that he will take advantage of Lee, uh, not wanting to defend his title. And he will get the North American Championship. Uh, and uh, he, he revealed that we're going to have him, Timothy Thatcher, and Dexter Loomis next week in a uh, match. And then he will move on to the title match at TakeOver uh, and give the Finn rub. Um, so uh, he keeps on using a lot of uh, inside wrestling stuff uh, in the statement. He made some other comment about how their push has hit the ceiling, talking about Timothy Thatcher and Dexter Loomis. I'm looking forward to seeing Finn in a match with uh, Timothy Thatcher, uh, just in general. That's another person that actually probably have a great match with Thatcher. So maybe you have that match, and everyone thinks that Finn or Thatcher are going to win, and they take themselves out and cause a feud between them, and Dexter Loomis wins. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, interesting choice. Th- this match could is probably not going to be as in sync as the match this week with uh, Bronson Reed. Roderick Strong, and Johnny Gargano, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that Finn Balor wins because isn't the, wasn't the original goal that he wins the North American title and takes it back to the UK? I don't know if it was that or just him winning the UK title in general. Okay, yeah. Man, I don't know if, if the world needs a match where Dexter Loomis ends up winning this thing somehow. And then you get Bronson Reed and Dexter Loomis in this five-way ladder match. We need some more um, uh, aerial, or not even aerial, just, yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Completely agree with you. Because, I mean, Dexter Loomis in a ladder match would be like Kane in a ladder match if Dexter Loomis was like, well, but Dexter Loomis is like half as good as Kane. So, I don't I don't know how good of a, a position that would be putting him in. Even though he did show a little bit more offense this week, I, I don't know. I I could see Finn and Dexter having a separate feud and somehow Timothy Thatcher getting the, the title if they decide they're not going back to that, or not getting the title, but winning this match to get a shot at the title if they're not going back to Timothy Thatcher versus Oni 
See, that works with me because the situation that I don't think would work out is Dexter Loomis and Timothy Thatcher in a feud. I think that, that Styles Clash would not work. But Finn and Timothy, or Finn even with Dexter, I think would actually work. And then whoever wins. Yeah, and they could, if they wanted to do the demon or something during that feud, they could. Or you, And also, just Finn can wrestle these kind of big, lumbering guys if he needs to. I mean, you could just basically make Dexter Loomis Brock Lesnar and repeat that match, and people would probably really like it. All right, so our main event was Di- uh, Dominic Dijakovic going against Karrion Cross. It started last week. Dominic was pissed off because Karrion kind of he didn't jump him. He got right in his face and then cheap shot at him and then, you know, threw him into the doorway and smashed his head into the concrete and knocked his ass out. Um, so Karrion wants to just destroy Dijakovic to be able to get to his way to Keith Lee. Little did we know that this was going to be able like, – we're going to have like a Rocky moment where, you know, we have Keith Lee come out and he's watching his friend who's telling him not to worry he made his own decisions get choked out by Karrion Cross, and uh, the match wasn't anything, like, too special or anything like that, but I thought it was effective, and the storytelling was good, especially when we get to the end for Karrion Cross, like I said, choking him out. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really like this match. Um, I like that part where Cross got a lot of momentum and came back after, because Dijakovic was, like, beating his ass at first. For a small period of time, and then he got that DDT and that look that Karrion Cross has on his face. It's creepy. It's violent. His eyes bulge out of his head, and you know, and then he's just Saito suplex. Uh, you know, maybe Dominic comes back a little bit, then another fucking suplex, and he drops him on his neck again. He's beating the crap out of him, and then he got in that chokehold because he was just at at some point he could have ended the match. But he was choosing to torture Dominic uh, so Keith Lee would come out. And then Keith Lee obviously did and was really tempted to do something. But then he fucking choked him out. And that part where he brought Dominic outside and put his head behind the stairs and was kicking him in the head. And then came over to the other side of the stairs and kicked it. And the ref came out and was like, you're taking this too far. What are you doing? And, you know. Dominic sold it really well, and you had Scarlett Bardot come over and start laughing and clapping of happiness because of it with their little Scarlett or their little uh, Joker-Harley type of relationship going on. And, you know, whatchamacallit, Karrion Cross is in the best guy in the ring, but he is efficient, effective. He looks intimidating. He's scary-looking, man, with those faces. And when he does those suplexes and those chokeholds, it seems like, not someone trying to be fancy, someone trying to kill someone. And like I said, when he was, when Dominic was Apollo Creed, getting choked out, if you will, by the Russian to death, you know, and Rocky's watching the whole entire thing happen, a.k.a. Keith Lee. I thought it was really good. And uh, Keith Lee couldn't do anything. And this is the next feud is going to be Keith Lee and Karrion Cross probably at TakeOver on the 22nd of August. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, how'd you like this match, Chris? I thought the match itself was just okay, but it was more of, like you said, a storytelling match for the actual the actual main event, which is Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee. And I think they did a good job of, of telling the story of Cross has pulled Keith Lee into his mind games at this point. 
Um, so from that standpoint, I thought it was pretty well done. It's not the match was terrible or anything, but it, it, it by no means was anything close to as good as some of the stuff we saw earlier in the show. But it did. Uh, it was very effective at continuing a storyline and, and telling a good story uh, with the ending of the match itself. So outside of that, I like that. I thought NXT was a pretty decent show. I'm going to give a slight edge to, to AEW for this week. Outside of, uh, if I had to pick a match of the night, it's it's the three-way match. It has to be. Um, but I had, I guess I had a little more fun watching AEW. I think that's it. Uh, you know, we've talked about this. The marquee matches that NXT presents awesome, but the presentation and the pacing on AEW usually is better. Um, and that kind of gets reflected in the ratings. So Brian Alvarez uh, let everyone know a couple hours ago that AEW dominated this week. Uh, 845,000 viewers to NXT's 615,000. Uh, in the important 18 to 49 demo, AEW nearly doubled NXT's rating with a 0.32 to the yellow brand's 0.17. So, yeah. Uh, good week for AEW. I'm not really worried about it. I always kind of say this, um, because I think USA is happy with the numbers, no matter what that NXT does, whether, whether they fluctuate between 600 to 700, what they're probably not happy is with Monday night raw doing 1.5 to 1.6 on a Monday night after being on that network for however long, uh, but NXT probably is bringing people there on Wednesdays regardless. So I'm, I'm sure that NXT, I don't know what the fuck's going on at Raw. We'll talk more about that when we get there. But uh, you hear these numbers, Chris. I'm, I'm really happy that AEW is getting close to 900,000. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to see them popping back up there. Um, I, I wonder what it was that drew people into this uh, show so heavily, honestly. Um I guess that Moxley title match last week and the follow-up to that probably helped a little bit. The promise that Cody may be going against a huge indie star earlier in the week. Because outside of that, it was a continuation of storylines, you know, that we kind of kind of have already been playing out. There wasn't anything that was just that announced that was that enthralling on the show. Um, I mean, Sammy Guevara coming back, but no one knew that was happening. No one knew about the uh, the uh, false cut anywhere match either. They didn't promote that. Like, yeah. Outside of they just put their that, fan base. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I the only thing I could say is maybe the follow up to the uh, to the Moxley match from last week is what drew everyone in. But yeah, just a weird. It's always weird to see them fluctuate so heavily, especially with AEW, because that, they're consistent in their storytelling. And this 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 week didn't have as big of matches as the past two weeks, as far as like a, uh, as far as like the the matches you would think the indie fans would show up to watch. Yep, I mean they basically last two weeks had a mini pay per view, and this was the best rating out of the month, including that, if you will, like the last four weeks. So, good job AEW. Um, but like I said, do you agree with me uh, to some extent that? USA is probably more worried about Monday Night Raw getting the ratings that they're getting on Mondays than NXT fluctuating between 600 to 700,000 people on a Wednesday when they have that direct competition. I would say so because they didn't have anything there on Wednesday to begin with. But we, I don't know what the promise numbers were 
um, originally, you know. But it, and once again, if you look at what USA is doing and what Fox is doing and the fact that they both re-signed massive TV contracts, they're probably more upset than, uh, let's say, either AEW or NXT as far as contract deals go. I would say so. All right, well, uh, guys, I guess that is it. That is the show. Uh, liked talking about everything. Really enjoyed Impact. Really enjoyed AEW. Really enjoyed NXT. Um, looking forward to. I want NWA to come back. I really do. I miss NWA. But anyways, um, we'll be talking Saturday, and we'll have the other show out probably around Sunday or Monday, uh, reviewing uh, SmackDown and Raw this last week, and also going over the horror show of Extreme Rules. Oh, what the fuck. So. Other than that, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed our reviews. Uh, if any news comes out in the next couple days, we'll have that on the next show. But uh, definitely go to geekfivesnation.com. Uh, there you'll find news for various topics in geek culture, uh, you know, from comic books to movies to wrestling to pretty much everything. Uh, you'll also find our Facebook page, our Twitter, and our Instagram. Go to any of those things. Join us. Uh, join the conversation. Join Geek Fives Nation. And, uh, yeah, you can find me at Twitter uh, at DaneAls42. Message me. Let's have a conversation. And uh, that will be some fun stuff. And also, like I said, if you guys want to find Wrestling Geeks Alliance, we're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're on YouTube. We are on pretty much every downloadable audio platform. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And if you want to find all of them, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google. I want to thank my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Thank you for joining me tonight. We'll talk, of course, before Saturday. But we'll be talking Saturday on air again. And, uh, yeah, just uh, have a wonderful evening, my friend. Say goodbye to the beautiful people. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can hit me at Chris R. Patton. If you have any questions or anything we went over on the show, feel free to message me. Uh, if you get a chance, check and you like hockey or sports, check out at Skates to Throats. There's a new episode up we posted on Sunday of last or yeah last Sunday, so that's out. And then also, uh, if you like comedy, check out Bush League Comedy on YouTube. I recently did a skit with a couple of my friends from high school, so check that out if you get a chance and as always thank thank you guys for listening and dane really enjoyed my time with you as always ah oh, thanks buddy and uh, i'll definitely have to check out that skit thing man that sounds awesome all right well you guys out there in the geek fives nation you guys have a wonderful time the wonderful day or night wherever you are whenever you're listening to us we appreciate it and let the geek fives be with you peace out guys have a good one